get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It is one of the most anticipated opening days as a Cardinal fan I can remember. It is one of the most highly anticipated opening days in recent memory. That was Greg Amsinger of MLB Network earlier today with Carriker and Smallman alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kiley. We are broadcasting live throughout the day today from the Budweiser Brewhouse inside of Ballpark Village. Home opener officially here, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to be just steps away from the stadium all day long. BK and Ferrario out here until 2 o'clock. We've got the fast lane coming up from 2 to 6. It's all brought to you by Green Envy Lawn Care. Make your lawn the envy of the neighborhood with Green Envy Lawn Care and by Budweiser, an official beer of MLB. Crack open the game with Budweiser and enjoy unrivaled flavor and refreshment. I agree with Greg Amsinger. This is the most anticipation I could remember having for a Cardinals opening day in quite some time. And call me a little emotional call me somebody that's getting into my feels about the nostalgia i'm into this man albert pools being back in a cardinals uniform for the first time in three years basically now having an actual opening day that is supposed to be on this date and that we're going to be able to have the typical traditions out here with all of the cardinals hall of famers and the red jackets this is a wonderful thing, man. Today is about the nostalgia. We can talk about what this team's going to be about and how good they are and the decisions that are being made on the field. All of that, that starts tomorrow for me. But today, this is all about the feels, and I'm pretty darn excited to see what this ends up looking like today, man. It should be about nostalgia, and it's not just the Cardinals. It's everyone in Major League Baseball. Like That's what opening day is about. It's about the history of the game, and I don't think anybody in Major League Baseball does it better than the Cardinals with the Clydesdales, with the Hall of Famers. I mean, Vince Coleman and John Tudor were both at the Blues game last night. Like, that just goes to show you, like, everyone's amped up for this. They're getting in town early for the Cardinals home opener. And for me personally, like, I have to duck out of here and go get my daughter afterwards. And I made it a plan to make sure I'm home in time so that I can see the start of that game because I want to see the pregame ceremonies. I want to see the Clydesdales and Pujols and Yachty and Wayno. And frankly, I'm really excited to see that first trot out from the bullpen with Yachty and Wayno this afternoon. So opening day is always about nostalgia. Yeah, and look, I don't always fall for the nostalgia. Sometimes I just view it as it's kind of just a normal opening day. It's great to have baseball back. This year I'm falling for it. It's three franchise 
uh, changing guys. It's icons that all three of these guys are going to be up on that left field wall before things are said and done in the next couple of years. And the fact that they're all back together, seeing a generational type talent in Albert Pujols, who I grew up watching along with Wayno and Yachty, the guys that I can first remember seeing back in 2006 winning the World Series, having them back here in St. Louis and doing this potentially one final time, it, it's awesome. And it's going to be exciting and it's going to be great to see Pujols in his first at bat. And I'm looking forward to hearing the ovation he gets because I know Yachty and Wayno are going to get big ones. I can't imagine we're going to hear it from here. With the yeah. If all the doors were closed, we were going to hear it from here at the Budweiser Brew House when our pool steps to the plate. Pools was back at Bush Stadium yesterday with the birds on the bat on his uh, sh- on his shirt for the first time in more than a decade now. He was able to talk to the media about what this is going to be like, what the experience will be like for him on opening day. Big part of this year for us is going to go out to to, to prove that we're not just you know out here to, for nostalgia type purposes. We're, we're we actually want to win, and I think we really can win. So that's the only reason we're here. You know, if we're not if we're not expecting to win, then well, pretty special. I mean, uh, like I say, I experienced, you know, in 2019 and then in 2000, last year, in 2021, you know, when I come here, these fans are pretty special. So something that we're all looking forward to, you know, just myself. I think, uh, as you know, you know, for 11 years that I was here, you know, just coming on opening day, everybody's really excited, you know, uh, waiting for this day. So tomorrow it'll be here and we're going to enjoy and hopefully we'll come out with a win. Albert Pools in the lineup today, as expected. He's going to be batting fifth and playing DH for your Cardinals. It's Dylan Carlson leading off today, as expected. Paul Goldschmidt hitting second, playing first. Tyler O'Neill is in left field, batting third. Nolan Arenado is playing third and batting cleanup, as usual. Paul DeYoung starting at shortstop today, batting sixth. Yadier Molina batting seventh at catcher. Harrison Bader is batting eighth. I can't wait to see him in Cardinals center field today. Easy. And Tommy Edmond, your secondary leadoff hitter, going to be batting at the bottom of the order today, starting at second base. Of course, Adam Wainwright getting the start. Guys, somebody's going to have a moment today. I'm hoping that it's Albert Pools. No, you're hoping it's Bader. But last year we saw this with Nolan Arenado. Let's revisit this for just a moment. With his home run last year, the play-by-play against the Brewers. Arenado, a drive, deep left, at the wall! Welcome to St. Louis, Nolan! An opening day home run, Nolan Arenado! That was the moment last year. It was his welcome to St. Louis for Nolan Arenado. Alex, who do you think is going to have their moment this year? I think it's going to be Albert. I hate saying it, man, because I know I'm falling into it, and I was the one at the beginning that was like, don't believe 21 home runs are going to happen. I, it just it feels like it. Everything we heard from spring training, and, and that's not just fans saying it. It's Katie Wu. It's Derek Gould reporting that this guy looks to be in the best shape of his life, and he is crushing the baseball. He comes here. You, you have the practice yesterday with him and Yachty on the field hugging each other and cracking each other's bats. Like, it just feels like he's the one that's going to have that moment. I don't think it's going to be that first at-bat, but, man, does it feel like that that moment today is going to be Albert's moment. How, yeah. many, how many standing ovations does he get today? Let's say Every one gets, of them. Uh-huh. He gets four at-bats today. Four, four. How many? All <laughs> four. Well, no, ovations. five. Five, because as soon as he comes out in that car, he's going to get that one, okay, too. Okay, that's fair. I didn't think of that one. But, yeah, I would go all five. It, and it, it feels like it's going to be Yachty or Albert that has the moment today. It truly does. You can feel the nostalgia with it. And maybe maybe it's not them. And if I had to pick someone that if you told me not to take the easy answers in Yachty and Albert, I'd probably go with either 
Corey Dickerson, the new guy in town, with a pinch hit opportunity? Or how about this, Tommy Edmond? Tough spring for him. He Did comes he through say in the clutch. Tommy Edmond, Tommy Edmond may have a Dickerson. moment today. <laughs> What are you? What have you been Look, drinking let's this be, morning, let's be man? Honest, there's going to be a lot of moments today. They're probably hey, going to put up ten hey, against this Pirates we're, team. We're all That's excited for opening day, T-Bone, but just pump the brakes a little bit, buddy. You don't sorry, have to say sorry, every man. Cardinal. Hey. You don't have to say Edmundo Sosa is going to come off the bench. And I didn't say hit he a was going to have a moment. He's going to make a nice defensive play. You said Palante is going to get a shutout at uh, some he, point. He might he get have a save today. He might have a moment if he does, guys. Oh my goodness! Stop drinking early, man. I won't be here tomorrow if he has a big moment. What does that mean? I'll be I, too excited. I think I'm going Goldie. I think Goldie continues his spring. Last year, if you remember, he, he didn't, didn't play the on, uh, on the home opener last year because of his back issues that he was dealing with. I think Goldie's going to have a big-time moment today. Put him uh, third in your – or excuse me, second in your lineup. Carlson has a big leadoff walk today. Goldie hits a, a home run in the, in the first inning. excited about a walk. <laughs> no, I'm getting excited I mean, about the fun, homer that's coming out. We made fun of me when I enjoyed seeing pitchers bunt last year. Here's BK. Oh, there's going to be a great walk in oh, the first man. inning. <laughs> what a 3-2 work to count walk to start How off the season. How great is it that the Cardinals have a leadoff hitter that's going to take walks this year? That's pretty exciting. I don't know about you guys. I'm looking forward to that. A shot at Tommy Evans? Yeah, it was a shot at Tommy Evans. What the hell, man? Harrison Bader doesn't take walks. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. Okay. All he does is strike out. <laughs> um, I, I'm thrilled. I, I can't wait for today. I think it's going to be an awesome day. Uh, today is about you getting into your feels. Be a little emotional. It, it's okay to have some sensibility about baseball today. Starting on Saturday, we can start talking a little. If you hate the lineup construction, we can get there. If you hate the oh, idea yeah, of an I, opener, trust me, we'll talk about that. If you don't like the idea of Gallegos coming in in the seventh inning, there is plenty of time for all of that. Today is about the nostalgia. Today is about number four, five, and 50 going out there together once again for likely the final time together. And it all starts today with the Cardinals on opening day here in St. Louis. It's a beauty. Cardinals versus Pirates coming up here in about four hours or so now. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to be joined by Michael Gersh, the Cardinals general manager. Lots of questions for him about this rotation, about their plans for Albert Pujols, and frankly, what today's going to be like for them. It's been a while since we've had an actual opening day here in St. Louis, so we'll talk that all over with Michael Gersh coming up here in just a bit. Coming up next, the big news yesterday coming out of the Cardinals, Jordan Hicks. Number five starter for the Cardinals this year. Not necessarily an opener long term, though. What does that mean? How did the Cardinals arrive on that decision? Talk about it next. You're on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jordan Hicks will be our fifth starter. Um, he'll join the rotation, and we're really looking forward to what he's capable of doing. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Normally, we would have to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line for this. But today, for the first time in I think like three years now, we're <laughs> actually able to have a guest in person. Cardinals General Manager Michael Gersh, uh, kind enough to join us here on the show. Michael, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much for joining us live from opening day. Yeah, it's nice to actually interact with human beings again. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's been a long time since uh, it's been a long time since we had a real opening day, too. It's been a couple years where we had... Uh, no fans, and then last year we had sort of a weird modified opening day or a fake one that we didn't lie or whatever we did. So it's uh, it's nice to be doing this the right way. That's what I was going to ask you. How nice is it going to be when you get to look out in that ballpark and don't have to see just you know half of the stadium filled? You actually get to see all of those seats taken up. Yeah, all the seats, all of the all the 
pageantry, all of the the Clydesdales and the and the red jackets, the whole thing. Like yeah. it, it's it's nice to be back. It's like a, again, it's, it's the real opening day. It's, right. been a, it's been a couple years. And you have Albert Pujols this year <laughs> at, on opening day. What's this going to be like for you to watch number five coming out once again in a Cardinals uniform today? Yeah, it's 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 kind of surreal. It's 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 amazing that. The the, uh, the the opportunity to have two legends who've been with the Cardinals for whatever it is, 16, 18 years, or whatever it is, and, and and another legend back for his final go around all at the same time is uh, it it has a chance to be like truly like an epic summer. So and, and we're well positioned to take advantage of it. It's it's we got a bunch of young guys that complement the old the, the veterans, and we got guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt who are right in the primes of their careers. So it's. Uh, it's, it's exciting, man. Now, Michael, I don't want to cross any lines, and I don't know how much you can take us inside the room, but what were those conversations like about deciding if we should pursue Albert Pujols as a free agent? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a compli- it's a complicated decision in, in terms of it's not – there's just a lot more history there than, yeah. than, you know. It's a different conversation than Dickerson, for example, of course, right? Yeah. Like, it's just a very different conversation. Does but, the DH help that, though? Of course, yeah. right? Like, like you, it, it's awfully hard to, to, to roster two right-handed hitting first basemen, <laughs> right? One of whom is an all-star, perennial all-star. <laughs> it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to roster a second one. It's just not, the math doesn't work, yeah. right? So, um, uh, yeah, the DH certainly made it, it. It opened up possibilities and at-bats and opportunities that we just otherwise wouldn't have had. So He's starting today against a right-handed pitcher. Is that something we're going to see much of this year, or is that kind of play it by ear? How, how do you think that's going to go with the way that you platoon that spot with him and Dickerson and maybe Dupar? I, I think Ali has talked a lot about how he wants to be more flexible in our lineup and more reactive to, to matchups that make sense. So um, I don't think I, I, I don't think anyone will be a set position. I mean, look, Goldsmith's going to play a heck of a lot, right? But I think. I think the, the DH spot will be an opportunity to get people on different people a day, you know, half a day off off the field. It'll be an opportunity to get matchups that we like. It'll be an opportunity to get, you know, various things. So, um, I, I don't think that that we'll be seeing, uh, you know, Albert start every time against righties. I don't think we'll be seeing anybody in a role where they're they're the everyday guy in, in that DH spot. It'll be sort of a, a rotating a rotating group of people in there. You mentioned getting guys a day off of their feet. I heard Ben Fredrickson talk about this. I think it was a week or two ago now. He talked about how you guys have some internal numbers that show if a player starts in the field seven straight days, there starts to be a little bit of a decline in performance. Can you take us into some of what what goes into those decisions of, like a Nolan Arenado or a Paul Goldschmidt, for example? They've started six straight days. What goes into the determination of do we keep going here with them starting in the field? Or, hey, maybe do we do get a day off here even though obviously you're going to be missing their defense out there. Yeah, you can you can look at analytics on all these things, and we do. But the reality is that, you know, the the amount of the energy level of the of the player is not like a a, a video game where it goes down, you know, like one tick every five minutes. But or makes whatever, your job right? a lot easier if it did. Though. Right, right. <laughs> it's so much easier. So sometimes you know travel can be easier, hard, right? It can be hot and miserable, and and games can take forever. We can have you know. 15 to 14 games where you're running all over the field. There's other games that they're shorter. Like, so a lot, we, we have ways of looking at stuff, but a lot of it is the feel of the coaching staff and the player and, and being honest about when you, you, know, you could use a day. And, you know, one of the things that we've lost a little bit this year is some off days because of the, the delayed start and still squeezing 162 in. So it will be something that we're constantly, you know, keeping an eye on and, and how guys are feeling, how they're looking, and, and when it makes sense to try to, you know, we, we have 
we feel like we have players on our bench who could be starting if they needed to be, right? And so whether it's because people need a blow or because of injury, we're, we feel good about some of you know our next our next wave of guys on position player wise. So so we'll be smart about it. Speaking of those coaches, uh, what's impressed you most about Ali Marmol so far? I mean, you know you've known him a long time throughout the system, but now that he's the manager, what stuck out to you? In some ways, what stuck out the most is how Ali's the exact same as he was, you know, a year ago or five years ago. Like mm-hmm. he is, he's an old soul. He's 35 years old, but like he is, he is an old soul who is very intentional about what he's doing and how he thinks about things, and and is very open to to you know gather opinions from large groups and and diverse groups, and then make a decision off of it. And it's 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 impressive how he's stepped into the role. It hasn't changed him, and he hasn't. And, and, and he fits right into the role, like it, the, the, the way spring went. And it was a weird spring, right? Yeah. I mean, he, had, he had whatever it was, almost three months where he couldn't talk to any of the players. And the players, some of them showed up having never met him before, right? Some of our free agents and yeah. stuff. So, um, but he stepped right into it, and it was, it, was, it was great. It's a short sample size, but it sure does seem like he's a, a player's manager, if that makes sense. I, I mean, how beneficial is that if that is the case with Holly? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what a player's manager exactly means all the time. You yeah, know? I. I think Ali's just an easy guy to get along with, and he's a good communicator. And yeah. I think if you communicate well with players, and they, then you're a player's manager, right? It's yeah. like if you choose not to, I mean, anyone could be uh, not a player's manager if you just don't tell people what's going on and stuff. But uh, Ali's style is 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 to communicate openly and often, and and let people know where they stand. And I think. I think that sets a good tone. So, I thought something that was interesting that he said, I think it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, he mentioned that some of the things that he's going to be doing this year, you mentioned the maxim- maximizing of the lineup, some of the platoons, maybe using the bullpen a little bit differently. Jordan Hicks, who we'll get into as a fifth starter for you guys. It might be a little bit new here, but it's not new to baseball. And he said it's his job to be able to communicate those decisions with the fans. And if he can't do that, then they're probably making the wrong decision. I love the way he explained that. What is that like for you as somebody who I, I would imagine behind the scenes has been probably wanting to see some of this stuff implemented over the years? What's it like to have a manager that now is going to potentially go in on some of these things that you've been talking about in the past? Well, I, I think, again, I think the biggest thing is the communication. And, 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 and it's, it's front office to Ali. It's Ali to other coaches. It's, it's Ali and the coaches to the players. It's front office to players on occasion. It's just, it's just making sure we're all on the same page. And and like I think the key is as long as you're on the same page like that's more important than what strategy you actually implement is that everyone's bought into it and on the same page and um, so I think that that, uh, there are some things Ali wants to do that are a little different than we've done in the past or some things are going to be very similar to what we've done in the past and I think that that his communication style our our focus as a group on doing things the way we on what we're trying to accomplish and how we're going to get there and the the players buy-in makes puts his decision to succeed more, more than any individual the difference in little strategies are, are very much on the margins. Sure. They're not, you know, if, if it was worth 10 games in the standings, like, everyone would be doing it, right? We're all just trying to find little marginal victories. Yeah. And so uh, I think that the process is more important than, than the actual, every individual decision. Uh, Michael, BK mentioned uh, Jordan Hicks, who Ali named as the fifth starter. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the mindset leading into that decision of Jordan Hicks taking that fifth rotation spot? I think I think part of it is we want Jordan to be put in a position to succeed this year. He, he hasn't pitched a lot. He's come through a bunch of different injuries. He's and and putting him in a spot where he's on a schedule to start with, where he knows when he's throwing. We all know when he's throwing, and we can set up his his recovery, his process. Everything is very well set in advance, which you can only do in the starting rotation. You yeah. can 
you can try to do it in the bullpen, but like, you know, if a game gets out of hand or you know, you, whatever right. whatever schedule you say you're going to use, some days you're like, well, this doesn't make any sense. We <laughs> we can't do that, right? And so this is a this is the easiest way to get him onto a set schedule. And and you know, Jordan's a starter. He's our fifth starter. The expectations of Jordan's length and how many pitches he's going to throw, it's, it, just because we're calling him a starter doesn't mean he's right. going to go six innings and 100 pitches on whatever <laughs> it is, Tuesday, whatever his start is, right? So um, it's a process of getting him built up, and, and, and we'll see where it goes. We're talking to Cardinals general manager Michael Gersh here on BK at Ferrario. I would say the number one question we get from fans about the team this year is that starting rotation and the depth of it, especially with Hicks now going in as the fifth starter. Is that something that you guys have explored the market on over the last few weeks, kind of like you have with the, the hitting options for designated hitter? Or were you guys always comfortable with this group of star, of pitchers going into opening day and the start of this season? I, I, so two things. One is this spring was just weird. Yeah. Like from a front office standpoint, we were negotiating arbitration contracts and free agent contracts while spring was going on. And we're, <laughs> people are making trades. Like there was, I think there was a trade this morning. Yeah. Like it just, it's been weird, right? <laughs> Um, so, of course, we're exploring everything, right? Because in a normal spring, like 90% of the transactions wouldn't have happened, right? So this spring, you're exploring everything because it's just an, an, a, a, di- a different environment. Um, that being said, we are, we are apparently more comfortable than the fan base <laughs> with, uh, with the depth of our starting rotation. And, you know, guys like Verhagen and Brooks coming back from Asia are not, are, are not the sort of high-profile free agents that, that, uh, that, that you might, you know, be more excited about. But we have confidence in them. We have confidence in guys like Connor Thomas and Palante and Libertor who are coming up from below. Um, we feel like we're in a good spot. We, we do have, understandably, you know, we, we have uh, Dakota coming back from having missed most of the season with Tommy John, but it was a very, it was exactly the sort of Tommy John recovery process that you want to see. In 12 months, he was back in the big leagues making a couple appearances, and they had a whole offseason to do a normal recovery. So he's he hasn't pitched in a year, but he's as healthy as a guy who hasn't pitched in a year could possibly be, right? And Miles had, had, had not pitched much. He finished the year strong, finished healthy, and went through the offseason. So um, we feel good. Look, knock on wood, like pitching is pitching. Like you can never have too much, as they say. Like no one stays healthy more than five minutes. Like, but, but we feel good about where we are. Uh, final one for me, Michael, and you mentioned confidence. And I feel like the fan base has a ton of confidence going into the season with the offense. Is that how the front office feels? Is that the area you're most confident in? You know, I mean, honestly, I'm most common our defense. Like, we're yeah. going to be a really good defensive team. Like, and, and even if there's an injury or someone or someone, our, our, like, Lars Lupar's a really good defender, right? Mm-hmm. Sosa's not going to start on opening day. He's a really good defender. Like, even Dickerson's, a, like, an above-average defender. Like, we will, we will have a lot of gold gloves and almost all above-average defenders on the field almost every day. And that, that allows our, our pitching to play up, that, that just – that part of the game, we will do well, and we will do little things well. I do, I do feel like our position player, our offensive profile. Look, we play in a tough place to hit, yes. And so the the surface stats might not be as good as we would like them to be, um, but we have a good offensive club, all of whom are also really good defenders. Most of whom are really good base runners. Like that, that position group is is uh, is a cer- certainly a strength. Michael, when you look at some of the guys that you could pull from AAA as well, it seems like the depth this year. I think it was uh, John Mosellock who a couple of years ago said you had a little bit of a donut in terms of what your minor league system was. You had guys in AAA, you had guys in single A, but there was not a whole lot in between. This year it feels like there's a lot more depth that's like ready to go if you need to pull from it. Is that how you guys feel about the guys that are currently starting the season in AAA? Yeah, I think I think guys like Donovan and Yepes and Gorman all are, are guys that if they need to come up to the Bush Stadium to play, we are totally fine with that. And I think Palante made the team. 
Walsh almost made the team. Connor Thomas was a consideration right to the end. Libertor is certainly a consideration at any time we need it. Like, I, I feel like we have sort of that next tier of players that we feel pretty good about that all, most all of them had good springs and are in a position where in a different spring training where the spring training is a lot longer and there's more opportunity for the young guys, you know, would have had even more runway to, to make an impression. But even in the shortened one, had, had a good impression on everybody. We'll get you out here on this. What are you most excited about? For fans to see for this Cardinals team, I know that's hard. It's like me asking you to pick your favorite child. But what, what's the thing you're most excited about for this 2022 Cardinals season? Uh, I don't know. I, like, today I'm most excited. I just think the, the, the Hall of Famers is, like, the coolest tradition. And yeah. I, I was lucky enough to be here when, uh, when I first started, Stan and Gibson and Brock and, and Red were all here. And it was, it was amazing. And it's cool because you get to explain to my little guy like why people are cheering for like these old men he has no idea who they are right it's a cool way to transfer like kind of knowledge to the generation so um so that's my that's my favorite part of opening day i think that's one of the coolest traditions i've ever been around um more generally i'm just excited to have a season start on time yeah. with fans in the seats and know we're playing 162 and and not not be like not be waiting every morning to see whether yeah. anyone you know, spit a positive on a test and we have to like freak out and like try to rebuild the whole pitching staff and overnight or whatever. So um, it's a little bit more like back to normal and it's exciting. It's exciting to get back to it. Well, we're thrilled to be able to have you out here. Thanks so much for hopping on with us, giving us so much of your time. Good luck today. Enjoy the game. Enjoy all of the traditions that are taking place beforehand and enjoy watching Albert Pujols once again in a Cardinals uniform. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Michael. That's Cardinals general manager Michael Gersh coming up next. We're going to continue talking about the Cardinals, including that number five starter that we just discussed, Jordan Hicks. What's this going to be like to watch as a Cardinals fan? We'll talk about that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We are broadcasting live from Ballpark Village for the Cardinals' home opener. Today, it is officially opening day here in St. Louis. And while we are talking, the Masters is taking place. And Tiger Woods just hit it into the trees. I just BKO'd <laughs> yes, Tiger Woods. Yes, I sincerely did. apologize. Prior to the seventh hole, he was one move. under. He was in a tie for third. He's now on the seventh hole, and he just... Uh, is just yanked it into the trees. So shot went into the tree. So that could be going better. Um, but unbelievable. Through six, one under par. So that's what's taking place in the Masters right now. That is your Masters update brought to you by BK, BK. Ferrario. Um, I did want to react to something that we talked about briefly there with Michael Gersh. And again, a huge thanks to him for stopping by what I have to imagine is an incredibly busy day for him out here at Bush Stadium. Jordan Hicks is the number five starter for the Cardinals this year. I think we had a pretty good idea that this was eventually going to happen. This was going to be named. But the way that Ollie Marmel sold this yesterday was interesting to me. He said in his first outing, he's probably going to go about two innings, a maximum of 40 pitches. That's what they're expecting out of him. But he then added, he's not just an opener. They're going to ramp him up, and they're hoping that within a month or so, he can have closer to a normal starter's regimen. I didn't see that part coming. That's the thing that surprised me. I'm not surprised that he's the fifth starter. I am surprised that a month from now he could still be the fifth starter and he could be going four or five innings. What did you make of that yesterday as you heard it, Alex? Well, I, I don't know how. That's my biggest question because if Jack Flaherty's back, which I don't know if anybody expects him to be back, but when Jack Flaherty returns, is Jordan Hicks still going to be in that rotation pitching for them? 
because it sure as heck sounded like what Michael Gerst just said is they're not really worried about finding somebody. that They're not looking for the talent in the rotation. They're more so making sure longevity with Jordan Hicks, and that's how they can do it to make sure that they stay on top of it. So does it become a six-man rotation when Jack Flaherty returns? And I know these always play themselves out. And with Dakota Hudson, you don't know what that's going to look like. Miles Michaelis, you don't know. Even with Adam Wainwright and when Jack Flaherty gets back. I think it makes the most sense with Jordan Hicks because I know he's going to be okay because there's a limits with him. They know where they're going. They can talk to him every fifth day to make sure. But I just when you get when you get Jack Flaherty back, I don't know if it makes the most sense. I would rather have Jordan Hicks in the bullpen coming through for me in big moments than being my starter for a sixth man rotation. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know what they're going to do once they get done with him when they get Flaherty back because I, you're not going to move him to the bullpen if he's stretched out and then have him go to a one-inning roll. I just don't know if that's going to be what the Cardinals do. Maybe it is because they say, okay, we got a month of him. He's healthy. He looks fine. Let's go ahead and just put him in the bullpen, and we'll go to that one-inning roll, and if we need him, he can then become an opener. I don't think the Cardinals would move to a six-man rotation. They could consider that as well. But I do find it interesting that they, they've decided that they, they want to build him up. And I, I find it interesting that they ultimately, I think the ultimate tiebreaker for them was just the stuff that you saw in spring training because his stuff was electric. Now, he got roughed up in his final outing. They wanted him to go two innings, and in spring he went two-thirds of an inning, three hits, two runs, all learned, and a walk. So he got roughed up in his final outing. But I think they said, you know what? Jake Woodford nor Drew Verhagen ran away with it. We saw a pitch that broke 18 inches and was like 100 miles per hour. We think if we ramp him up, he'll be fine. We can get a solid two, three innings out of him. And maybe he still stays stretched out, and he maybe piggybacks with Dakota Hudson as things move along. I I know the Cardinals haven't said that there's an innings limit on him or Miles Michaelis, but I would be a little bit surprised if they don't put some sort of uh, innings limit on Dakota Hudson because he's coming off of Tommy John surgery and he's missed a good amount of time. So... The thing that I'm most interested in here is I I think that this is going to be a terrible answer, but I think it's the truth. I think the Cardinals are just going to figure it out as they go. Yeah. Like a month from now, will Jack Flaherty be ready to go? We don't know. And so right now, what you've got to do is cover all of your bases. All of us have been talking about how the Cardinals don't have enough pitching depth. Well, you know what helps that? If you've got Jordan Hicks ramped up, and a month from now, if – you find out that Miles Michaelis, there, there's something that's nagging on him. Well, Jordan Hicks could take his spot in the rotation. If you want to kind of uh, lower down the number of innings that you're getting out of Dakota Hudson, maybe he goes four and you end up getting three on the back end from Jordan Hicks on those days where he's just piggybacking. You have a manager right now that I think you can trust to actually do those things. And I, I thought it was interesting when I asked Michael Gersh, you know, it, 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 what's it like for you to have somebody? Gersh is more of a numbers-based guy. What's it like for you in the front office to be able to have a manager that will implement some of these strategies that I have to imagine they've been pitching to the coaching staff over the years? And, and he didn't say, like, hey, he was not going to put down um, Mike Shilton in any way, nor, nor should he. But he was like, you know, listen, uh, this, this is something that it's more about everybody being on the same page than it is about any one individual strategy. And it seems like everybody right now, and this could change. It's the beginning of the season. This stuff can change quickly. It seems like everybody's on the same page right now. Otherwise, I don't think you get Jordan Hicks as your fifth starter and as this opener type, at least for the starting point. I'm fascinated to see how it works, man. The upside here is tremendous. Now, if it doesn't work... They can just go back to what the traditional way of doing things is, and you get, whether it be Jake Woodford or Verhagen or Liberator, whoever your guy is, you could always make that decision later on. But right now, I think this is a really interesting way to go, and if it works, 
Now you've got a fifth starter who is a right-handed pitcher who's throwing 100 miles per hour who, yeah, maybe you only get three, four, five innings out of him, but, man, that's what a lot of teams are getting out of their fifth starter. And this is a guy that's getting a ton of ground balls, pitches perfectly to the defense that you have behind him. It makes a ton of sense. I, I'm just I'm fascinated by what this is going to look like with him as a starter. Yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated with this as well. And the other thing that Michael Gersh said that I thought was interesting was when I asked him about the player's manager, and he said, you know, it's more about just the ability to communicate with guys. And that's one thing that we've noticed with Ali Marmal is these guys, they seem to be on the same page, but it's because he's having conversations. Because if he's telling the media this thing or these things, He's already had these conversations with those players, as you would expect, unlike in the past where um, KK finds out that he's not in the rotation oh, yeah, anymore when he's that. you know, put in the bullpen. Like you got to be on top of these things before they become public, and I think that's what's important. Jordan Hicks, you just want the guy to stay healthy right now. He seems to be thrilled about it. He said yesterday at their practice that you know he's been wanting to return, but to return as a starter. So you're giving him this opportunity here. I don't think this is set in stone, though. I think this is still going to be a competition for him. I Agreed. think this is Jordan Hicks are going to be the guy. But if it doesn't look right, or if you don't look right, or if we're concerned with it, we're going to we're going to pull the string and we're going to go to Verhagen, and it's going to be quick. Yeah. So I think it is going to be a short lease for Jordan Hicks. I just wanted to piggyback something uh, that you guys were pointing out with Michael Gersh. He made a good point. You know. It, being on the same page because like it's not like this strategy is going to put the Cardinals give them 10 games by doing this they're actually behind the eight ball on doing these kind of things I mean a lot of teams have already been doing openers we've seen a lot of teams putting some of their uh, top lead top their top power guys and lead off players at the top of the lineup Cardinals are kind of doing that with Dylan Carlson he's he's kind of that guy he's but not do really they do the openers lead this off. early in the season yeah some do teams do because a lot of teams don't really have a fifth starter the fifth starter's basically been replaced the Rays by have been doing good, this for a decade yeah but the Rays are awful what, 90 games? Like, awful, I think each awful of spenders, games. yes. <laughs> but uh, I found it interesting awful that... Awful talent evaluators. Uh, I think it's interesting that Michael Gersh said that because, you know, it, he's told us in the past, I think it was on the Dame Act show at the time, you know, the lineup construction, it's hard to put together a bad lineup. And you think about it, that's true. We criticize the lineups when we see it. And then you take a look at the opener, uh, and the Cardinals are behind the eight ball. And they're just, I don't want to say they're catching up with the game of baseball, but they're wanting to get a little bit more experimental. They want to try seeing if something's going to work out. And, guys, Jordan Hicks is ceiling. Look. I know he's been injured, but we saw his stuff when he was healthy. He has elite stuff. He throws 100 miles an hour, and he's going to have different results. But his ceiling as a starter going just the two to three innings would remind me of a Jacob DeGrom when he was elite and at his own level. Whoa. Because he's going to have a low ERA. Whoa. He's throwing 100 hey, elite hey, stuff. Take a sniff of his coffee over there. What? Take a sniff of his coffee but over there. Did you just say Jordan Hicks is Jacob DeGrom? No, no, he's going to have stuff like Jacob DeGrom in his short outbursts in two I to three innings. I was told Juan Yepes was the next Barry Bonds, too, and what happened there? Whoa. I didn't no, 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 for, for the home runs, man, for the home runs. And by the way, I would alter what you said, too, and where you said you can't put together a bad lineup. Yachty leading off. No, no, he's, that, he's I went, guy. I went, that, that would be a bad decision. I went, for I went. Sure. Oliver Marmol yesterday had two quotes that I think go to what all of us are saying right now. I want to read these. These come from Ben Fredrickson's piece from today. You should check it out on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch website. Quote, I feel like other teams are well beyond what we're talking about in reference to the fifth starter and an opener. It's not new as much as we just haven't done a whole lot of it here. And I do feel like it's important in my job to answer any of the questions that you have in order to educate fans on why we are doing what we're doing. It's going to work sometimes. It's not going to work other times. Explaining the reasoning behind it, though, I think, is the really important part for me. We are not going to do something just to be different. If it makes sense, it's easy to have the conversation and to explain. If we are having a hard time selling it, though, 
it probably doesn't make sense to do it. If you're having a hard uh, having to sell something really hard, it's probably not the right play. I love that because this is an old school fan base here in St. Louis. That is not to put it down by any stretch of the imagination. This fan base is about history, right? What is today all about? It's about the pageantry and the history of the St. Louis Cardinals. Having an opener go two innings is not historical at all. This is very new school style of baseball, and that doesn't make it right, wrong, or indifferent. It is just a different way to go about it, and they believe it's the best way to maximize the talent that they currently have available to them. They have to sell that to you, the fan base. They have to do a good job of explaining why they are doing what they are doing. If that means Giovanni Gallegos is coming into the seventh inning of a game, you better believe if that goes poorly in the ninth inning and TJ McFarland blows a save, I'll be upset. Marmol's going to have to explain that decision to you. And based on everything he said thus far, he's willing and able to do so. And that's going to be the single most important part of his job in some ways this year is explaining why they are doing what they are doing. If Corey Dickerson goes for a one for 20 spell and he's getting a bunch of starts against right-handed pitching, there's going to be a lot of questions from a certain segment of fan base that's saying, hey, why isn't Albert Pujols getting those opportunities? you got to explain that. If you can do that, if you are well-crafting with your words and showing fans, hey, this is why we're doing what we're doing, they will buy into it. They will understand this is a very smart fan base here in St. Louis. But if you're not, if you just say this is the right way to do it, we don't have to explain ourselves to you, that's going to end really poorly. And you all better believe that BK will be the first one raising his hand on oh, Zoom yeah. when asking the question of why was TJ McFarland pitching in the ninth? You know I Brandon. agree his, his way Brandon. of going about it, though. So I, I, I will ask the question because we will be discussing it, but not because I necessarily questioned the decision. How, hey, real quick, how quick does BK get kicked out of the media room this season? Oh, man. Oh, I'll be there on Sunday. Okay, so Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, okay, okay good. I, I feel like the over-under is at, at least me, me and Friar are going to be going to games and be like, are you, are you, are you, are you, are you guys co-working with uh, Brian no, no, Kelly? No, 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 I don't know that guy. Never heard of him. We work with Brian Kelly. Coming up in 10 minutes or so, we'll get to the T-Bone 3, the illustrious return on opening day of the T-Bone 3. We'll get to that at the top of the hour. Questions and answers, 65780 is your comfort service tax line with maybe a little bit of a surprise for you. Coming up next, here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for questions and answers. Alex is mad at us today because so far in the first hour, we have talked zero Blues hockey. Just saying, first, second place on the line, one point behind the Minnesota Wild, points in six straight. Maybe we should get into it. And we'll talk about all of that tomorrow here on BK and Ferrari. I doubt we will because, you know, BK and company decides. Well, Tanner's not here tomorrow. So you and I will be sure to talk plenty of Blues tomorrow. Grant, Grant, you want to host a midday show? Yeah, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service next line for questions and answers. Slightly blues-centric today. Start out with this one from the 314. Guys, Slightly blues-centric today. Is it uh, something or nothing that Ville Husso is now 14-1-1 when he goes up against the Western Conference opponents this season? I mean, I'd say that's something until you get to the Stanley Cup final. And then <laughs> I'd be a little concerned with all of that. I, I mean, he's... 
those are the opponents you got to beat. And he has found ways to beat them. Like, his numbers don't look great against the Eastern Conference, if I'm not mistaken. But you don't see that teams very often. And think about it, you haven't seen those teams in over two years. So I think it's something with how he's played against the Western Conference teams, which is why he's going to get the start tomorrow, I would imagine, against Minnesota. Yeah, I think it's something, too. I mean, those are incredible numbers. You will not see very many goalies have that kind of record against the Western Conference or even the Eastern Conference, for that matter. I don't know what it is or why it is that he's that good against the Western Conference. Maybe it's because he saw some of these teams a lot last year when he was uh, playing within, what, seven teams in the division. That was all. But I think it's something. I, I think it's impressive to see that Billy Huso has these kind of numbers against the Western Conference. I think it's definitely something, and I love it. I absolutely love it. If you're going to have this kind of record against any one, like if I could tell you, hey, there's going to be a split that Ville Husso is great against these specific teams. I would want it to be the Western Conference because those are the teams that you're going to have to beat once you get into the playoffs. So uh, definitely something and definitely something to keep in mind as we move forward here. 65780 is your comfort service tax line. A few more questions here on 101 ESPN. Guys, do you think that the game last night can get Jordan Cairo going again? I think so. I think that was a big-time goal, especially the way he scored it. Got it off a rebound that bounces off of their goaltender in front of the net. A really good game, and it felt like that was kind of a okay, I'm back moment for him. So we'll have to see though, because this next game, you 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 saw the frustration in the game last night when he got checked hard a couple of times, and he kind of stood up and went after the guy. That's not Jordan Kyrou's style, and he's going to have to figure it out because he's going to be taking on teams like Minnesota tomorrow that are going to try and play that game to get him off of his game. Yeah, I, I think this is going to get him going. I thought he I thought he really built off that goal last night too, Alex. I thought he played. I thought you didn't really recognize him at the very beginning. Then he scored that goal, and I thought I started to see him moving out there a little bit better. So I think this is kind of that moment that gets him going. I thought I heard, I can't remember what the stat was. It's been a month since, what, his last goal, yeah. if I'm not I mistaken. I think it was about 10, uh, 11 games for him yeah. since he scored a goal. And, and that's all it takes from these goal scores. I mean, we've seen Vladdy go through uh, spurts like too. that too. Perron as well, where they just don't get that goal, and then all of a sudden one goes in. Next thing you know, we're talking about David Perron, who scored in like eight straight games. So yeah. I think this will get Jordan Cairo going. The last game he scored was on March 6th. Yikes. So it's been, it's a, been a almost exactly one month to the day was, uh, was his last goal as of yesterday. Uh, next one up here. Guys, what is the biggest thing that the Blues have changed in this recent point streak? What have you noticed that they're doing better than what they were doing when they were struggling? I think they're playing more physical, and I think they're playing more of that cycling of the puck type of game. Last night they had a couple of moments in the third period, which Burby said was their best period, where they dumped the puck in, one line would go after it, and then while they were still holding on to the puck, two guys would come off, two new guys would come on. That's when you know this Blues team is able to, to play and they're on their game, is when they're able to get new lines in the middle of possessing the puck in the offensive zone. I'm going to agree with all of what Alex just said, and I'm going to add they're not going to the penalty box as yep. well, and Good and that's been, the, that, that's been the one for me. I can't remember what the numbers were. Isn't it like they've been in the box like four times in their last like six games or something Nine crazy? Nine penalties in their last six games. I was the penalty way off. kill is eight for eight in this stretch. But, and that's the big difference. Earlier in the year, I think we talked about I can't remember when it was, but they had a similar stretch like this, and they were winning hockey games. When they stay out of the penalty box and they can play five-on-five hockey and they get the amount of power plays that they get against like Seattle and they take advantage of it, they're going to play really well and they're going to win a lot of those games. Yeah, they, I think that's the biggest thing. The Blues just aren't beating themselves. Anytime that you hear um, Bill Belichick talk about why his teams win consistently, the first thing he talks about is how they make sure that they don't beat themselves. And then you can work on the rest of it. Yep. The Blues were beating themselves far too often over that that losing stretch there for a little while. So I think that's the biggest thing. They're staying out of the box. 
they, they've limited the turnovers. They still happen, and that, that's always going to happen. Um, they're getting more to their cycling game in the offensive zone. All of that is just that's that's the prerequisite for them. And then you can get to the playmaking ability. Then you can get to the flashy plays of Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas or the power play. All of that stuff comes off of them skating, preventing the turnovers in their own zone, and going to the penalty kill. All of that has to, has to take place first then you can get to the rest. So I, I think that's the biggest thing for me that's changed as well. We'll talk about that a little bit more. We will talk blues for 10 minutes, Alex. No, Coming no, no. Up at no, 12 no, we're good. With our blues analyst, Joey Vitale. I think it's He's funny you think you're only going to get 10 minutes with Joe. Coming up at 12.15. <laughs> Matt Adams, the former Cardinals first baseman. We've got a hard out with Joey because Matt Adams is going to join us coming up at 12.30. We are going to be joined for the first of a weekly segment that we will have once again this year with Katie Wu, our Cardinals insider, coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. But coming up next... Yes, yes, you've been waiting for it all day long. The T-Bone 3 makes no, its haven't. illustrious return next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. some breaking baseball news for you here dun, today, dun, Alex Ferrario. Dun, dun, dun. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Pittsburgh Pirates are in agreement on a long-term extension with Sudio. No, nope, not him. He's batting cleanup today. A little nervous about that. Probably Jose Quintana because he's their opening day starter. They are signing Cabrian Hayes to an eight-year deal worth $70 million. It includes a club option for a ninth season as well. So that could basically keep Hayes in Pittsburgh for the vast majority of his prime. And he's making $8.8 million a year. I mean, it's a tremendous deal for the Pirates. Why and would he sign that? The other thing is, and this Bad is something that we year. mentioned right away whenever we saw the Wander Franco deal as well, immediately tradable. Immediately That's tradable true. upon signing this deal. That's so if you're true. the Pirates, best case scenario, you get good here three, four years from wow, now. Wow, look good in Carnal Red. Oh, boy. No, you have Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman. Where oh, yeah, the hell is mind, this guy going to play? I don't need him. Well, Jordan Walker, as we talked about yesterday, is going to move to first base eventually. And Cabrian Hayes, after Nolan Arenado retires and goes into the Hall of Fame as a Cardinal, Cabrian Hayes can be his replacement at third base. That sounds great. It's perfect. Good, good replacement. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> I ask myself that I question every everything day. there is to know about you. So, normally, we would do a Ferrari 05 oh, on a day like this. I'm about to hate you even more after this. But, you know, it, it's a baseball day. Yeah. It's the home mean? opener for I'm the not Cardinals. a baseball guy? We're not talking blues today. I did pre and post for six years, guys. So, today... I've watched him since growing up. Felt like the right day to Five bring years. back the T-Bone 3. Tanner introduced us, Alex, to Andre Pallante, yeah. who... Had he not done that, we might not know who he is going into opening day. And he's on the opening day roster. You're welcome. So, Tanner. I'd like to pour beer on you right sir, now. Sir, the floor is yours. This is going to feel great. Grant, please hit the open. Demo! 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 What is this trash? All right, guys, it's the T-Bone 3. Tanner's three bold predictions for the Cardinals heading into 2022. What? And the honorable mention, because Ferrario always adds on to his five. Honorable what mention that happened? I almost put in my bold predictions here, but I just have to see it first before I do it. 
Giovanni Gallegos will lead the Cardinals in saves and in holds because the Cardinals are going to use him vers as a versatile reliever. Could come in in the seventh. Could be the closer some days. I, I didn't want to put in the T-Bone 3 because I'm not sure if it's actually going to happen, but it's something to keep an eye on, and I'm going to have it as an honorable mention. You see what he did here, right? said, I'm going to do a T-Bone 3, but it's actually a Ferrari 05. Just yeah, to label yeah. this T-Bone 3. Such a trash take. But let's get into it. Number three. He even did what I said. Let's get into it. Oh, God, I hate you so much right now. Number three, the Cardinals will have a top five bullpen in baseball, and six-plus arms will be in the BK and Ferrario circle of trust. I love the bullpen. We heard Michael Gersh earlier on the show talking about some of the arms. Jake Walsh nearly made the opening day roster. Connor Thomas nearly made the opening day roster. There's only a certain amount of room for all these relievers. I think we could see a reliever in the BK in Ferrario Circle of Trust end up being in Memphis just because they need to get a fresh arm into the bullpen. This bullpen was good in spring. Eighth in total ERA with a 4.11 ERA. Does that not get you excited, Ferrario? How about that? Top five bullpen, man. Six arms in the, in the Circle of Trust. This is great. Go ahead, man. Number two. Number two. Waiting on bated breath. Miles. I boycott, boycott speaking right now. Number two. Miles Michaelis surpasses 170 innings pitch, has a sub 3 5 ERA, and, and is Jacob DeGrom. And, and leads the Cardinals and wins this season. That's right. You heard it. Miles Michaelis, I loved what he did in spring. He reinvented the breaking ball this offseason. In spring, he was 3 0, had the most innings among any pitcher for the Cardinals, had a 2.08 ERA. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have that bounce back here. I mean, I don't know what else is going to break on the arm, so it has to be a bounce back here for him. That's number two for me in the T-Bone So why three. do you hate Adam Wainwright then? I don't. I think Wainwright has a good year. I think he's going to be right behind him and wins. You could see Michaelis with 13, 14, 15, and Wainwright with 14 or 13. So, And number one, and maybe this is me buying in the nostalgia. I mean, come on, it's opening day. The Cardinals will have the best production among the designated hitter position in the National League and... Albert Pujols is one of four Cardinals that are starting in the 2022 All-Star Game. I need Pujols oh makes the All-Star Game? Now, you God. say that what in your reaction. What is wrong no, with no, no, you? No, listen, listen. You give that reaction, it's the fan vote that gets him in. Come on. The final year, you send Yachty, you send Albert, you send Arnado, and you send I Goldie to the All-Star Game. Can you think of anything better? I think the fans are going to come Make out. They're going to vote prediction. in these guys. None of these three hit. I, I think None of I, these three hit. I, but you look at the National League, and I look at the designated hitter spot, the Phillies and the Nationals are the two teams that I look at, and the Dodgers are probably the three that I look at and I go, okay, those are the three that might be battling for the Cardinals. The league, <laughs> if, if, if Albert ba if plays well and Dickerson is good, both those guys were really good in spring training. I'm buying in the nostalgia a little bit. I think you could see the best production from the designated hitter spot in the National League. And, again, I think they're going to be in the all Ring because the fans are going to vote. I mean, remember the Royals, after winning the World Series, all their whole lineup was the starting at, at one point in the American League All-Star game. Omar the fans Infante, are going to come out and vote Starting second baseman while batting, I think, 220. Uh, for, for the Royals. That was that was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. All right, so the T-Bone 3. Three bold predictions for the Cardinals going into 2022. Number one, Pools is an all-star, and the Cardinals have the best production in the National League from their designated hitter. Number two, Miles Michaelis will throw at least 170 innings. He leads the team and wins, and he has a sub 3.5 ERA. Number three, the Cardinals have a top five bullpen in the league in all of baseball, right? Correct. And they have at least six arms in the circle of trust. That's the one that I think I agree with the most out of these three. I can see Michaelis having a return to form. The biggest thing for him is just that he's healthy. He hasn't been healthy now and really since 2019. But the Cardinals' top five bullpen in the league, man, they have so many arms. And we talked about this with Michael Gersh. If you missed that conversation, check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, the free 101ESPN app, all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
They have so many arms both here right now and also down in Memphis that can impact their bullpen this year. I, I think that's the one that I am all aboard for. I, I really think this team, if they get into the playoffs, will have the type of bullpen that we're talking about in October and saying to ourselves, nobody wants to see that team because they've got just enough starting pitching with a couple of guys that are at the front end and also, God, look at the number of arms that they have I, that could come out and impact a series. And I looked at the bullpen and the circle of trust we had last year heading into the playoffs. We had six guys in it, and of those six, only two of them aren't on the opening day roster, and that's Luis Garcia and Alex Reyes. And at some point, we're going to see Alex Reyes again, so he may get back into the circle of trust. He's probably going to come out of the bullpen. And then there were a bunch of fire breathers that were in spring training. But we heard Katie Wu tell us, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, Ryan Helsley's her prediction to have a bounce back and end up in the circle of trust. You know I love me some Andre Pallante. And again, Michael Gersh reiterated, they still got arms down in Memphis. I, I think this is going to be maybe one of the best bullpens we've seen in the last couple of years from St. Louis Cardinals. Alex, any thoughts? Sorry, I wasn't listening. I was watching Tiger tee off on the eighth hole. Joey Vitale next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by the Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. The Blues are on a roll with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kiley. They have now had points in six straight games, including wins over the last couple against two bottom feeders in Arizona and Seattle. And those are the types of teams, Alex, that previously they had been struggling with. A big one tomorrow night against the Wild with second place in the division on the line. We are talking all of it over right now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joey Vitale, the Blues analyst for the Blues Radio Network, joins us. Joey, how you doing today, man? Joey, Joey, Joey. What's up, boys? Doing well. Just been, you know, cleaning up puking rally at the Vitale household last couple of days. I'm Mr. Mom, Mr. Clean, doing it right. That's what I was going to ask, Joe. How's the family, man? I, uh, it's a lot of vomit you said you had to deal with uh, last night. Yeah, a lot, lot of vomit going on. There's some sort of little bug going around, I think. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. What, what can you do about it? Unfortunately, my wife's sick, too. So she's usually the puker picker-upper. But now that job has been... Uh, it's been landed to me, which, you know, I, I didn't think it was all that bad. You know, when I was growing up, we would go in the toilet. You know, I'd run over the toilet and just kind of do my thing in the toilet. And my daughter, Alex, as I told you last night, she's got this thing where she only wants to uh, relieve herself outside. She did it once. She felt great about it. She said she gets some fresh air, so she always goes off on my side porch and just yanks all over the driveway, which is fine. I'm happy for her. She's feeling better, but then Dad's got to come out there with the hose for like three, four times in the same day and literally witnessed everything my daughter's eaten for the last 24 hours. Joe, BK's going to love this follow-up, but I was my sister was the same way, but she would never try and make it to the bathroom. She would just stay laying in bed and do it on the floor next to her bed. <laughs> Gee, hey, you know what? I thought that was bad. I've had a couple of those, Alex. My son topped it all off. This is a true story. As God is my witness, I am not making this up. We have a long staircase. We live in an old home here in Kirkwood. He's at the very top. I'm at the bottom. I hear some footsteps because, you know, there's some creaks in, in, the, in the floors upstairs. Obviously, it's an old home. So I hear someone moving around in the middle of the night. So I kind of go over to the bottom of the stairs. I look straight up, and I go, Harper, you all right, buddy? He goes, Dad, I don't feel so good. Literally, as I start walking up the stairs, he chucks all down. I mean, it hit 
every step. I'm talking 13, 14 steps minimum. And it's an old home. We have these hardwood floors that kind of goes in these cracks. There is no way I'm going to be able to get all this out. I mean, literally, it's impossible. So whoever buys my house one day, I'm selling it as is. Let's just put it that way. Yep, that's like puking in a car. And it no, goes we, into ha- the we seats. have to get off of this. You conversation. can't get it out. I, I, I can't do this you, any the, longer. The heated seats, BK, it gets in those holes and it's not getting out. I'm the type of guy that if I see or hear people talking about somebody throwing up, I am liable to throw oh, up. Let's so keep we, it going, we can't do that while we're at the Budweiser Brew House here for opening day, Joey. I, I just can't have it. We got to <laughs> talk a little bit about the Blues, Joey. What do you think Weak. about Ville Husso last night? Hey, what I think about Ville, you know, listen, I think this is this is Ville now. I mean, I don't know what more you can say other than the fact that this is a kid who's been very, very patient waiting for his shot. Uh, he's had some people leapfrog him uh, because he's dealt with some injuries or maybe just the timing wasn't right. But now this is, this is who he is. I mean, this is who the Blues uh, you know, got when they got him. They understood that he was probably one of the most athletic goaltenders in the organization. You know, my first year in the broadcast booth, it was Jake Gallon that, you know, we were talking about Billy. He was probably the third or fourth in the depth chart at the time, I think. And I asked him about him during camp, and he said, honestly, I think he's probably the most uh, fundamentally sound and athletic and flexible goaltender that he's ever seen. Now, see, I say a lot for a veteran, Jake Allen, to kind of make those comments. So it's something that kind of always thought about, like, hmm, interesting. Well, we'll see how this develops. And I think that now this is what we're seeing. This is exactly who he is. He's an athletic goaltender. Uh, but the biggest thing that stands out, BK, to answer your question about him, is just his competitive nature. His ability just to stay with pucks, not give up on pucks. And, you know, I know it's like, what, what, what do you mean not give up on pucks? He's a goaltender. He's never supposed to give But I'm telling you, goaltenders do. They'll make that first save and they kind of just watch. Or maybe they hesitate. He, he's a goaltender that makes that first save and he is so quick to slide or get in the position to make the second one. He's always alert. He's always on top of it. Uh, he never gets kind of on his own island back there where he gets a little dopey or maybe he gets a little sleepy and then a soft one goes by him. Just stays on top of it. He reminds you so much. Um, the goaltender I play with, a future Hall of Famer, Mark Andre Fleury, the way he just battles in practice, competes in practice, is consistent in practice, and you see how that carries over into a game. Joe, how impactful is the discipline of this team right now? They've taken nine penalties in their last seven games, and they've killed off eight of those nine. I mean, not only are they killing off the penalties, but they're, they're keeping it at five on five. Yeah, it's really important. I mean, it's, it's maybe the most important thing on that Western Canadian road trip, Alex. You know, yes, you have Vancouver, but then you also had Edmonton and Calgary, two teams with uh, an amazing amount of offensive firepower uh, that you don't want to give them any freebies. And, I'm sorry. Oh, you know what? Sorry. I thought I kind of broke up there. Someone said something about the wild. My, my apologies. Um, you know, I was just saying that, you know, with the special teams, I, I like the fact that, you know, on that Western Canadian road trip, you know, you're dealing with, you know, Connor McDavid and you're dealing with Lynn Holman, Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau, and you have a lot of firepower from those two teams and you don't want to give them any freebies. And, and I mean, freebies by don't give them too many power play opportunities where they have the main advantage. So, that's really important. You know, I had a, I had a coach um, in the minors who did this exercise with us, and, and he called it, well, put first things first. And, you know, it's a cool exercise that a lot of hockey coaches think, uh, have adapted now and do. I mean, quite frankly, any sport can adapt this, this kind of um, this thing, or, or in, anyone in life can, can adapt this. But he took a big mason jar, and uh, by the mason jar, he had two golf balls, he had um, some like little pebbles. He had some gumballs and different balls. And then he had sand and then he had water. 
And, you know, at the time we were struggling and we weren't putting the first things first. And, and he picked up both golf balls and he said, you know what these things resemble? These are the most important things we have to put in the jar first. And number one was team defense. And number two, your point, Alex, was, was discipline. Uh, because that discipline, not only in the systems, discipline staying on the box, discipline um, on, on, on everything, the philosophy of the team. So he dropped those two balls in the jar, and then he f- finished with the next important things. And, you know, you, you get the idea, and so on and so forth. And the idea is that if you fill it with the least important things first, like the sand and water, and then maybe the pebbles and gumballs, then you'll never have room for the big things uh, like the golf balls. And so I think what the Blues are doing, yeah, at least what, what caught my eye over the last probably two and a half, three weeks, is they're starting really to put first things first. And, and those two main things are team defense and then the discipline. Uh, discipline, certainly a major part of that is staying out of the penalty box, which if you can do that enough, I mean, again, just one power play last night for Seattle, you're not going to give these teams much hope. I've seen that before, Joey, but it was at a wedding where they did it for the, uh, the sand ceremony. Um, and the, the, the unity of the two sides and what it, you have to build your foundation of the wedding. But that's, that's where I've seen that before. Joey, final question that I've got for you. Tomorrow night, a big one, and we're, we're talking about the wild here. Um, what are you looking for in what could very well be a preview of a playoff matchup between the Blues and the Wild? What do you want to see tomorrow night? You know, I, I, I want to see a Blues team. I, I would be really encouraged to see a Blues team that can play um, you know, BK, uh, the style of hockey as if it were game one. I, I think that this Blues coach, and I think the Minnesota coach for that matter too, I think both sides, are approaching this game as this is game one of the playoffs. I mean, the way things are shaken up, more than likely this will be the matchup. Now it could open up in St. Louis. It could open up in Minnesota. But, but the, way, the way Nashville lost the other night, um, you know, Dallas, you know, up and down a little bit, it, to me it's going to be very difficult to catch St. Louis or Minnesota. Now it can happen. It definitely could happen. But I think that the, realistically this is probably going to be the first-round matchup we're looking at. So, um, so much is going on. Uh, between the two teams, you want to go out there. You want to see the team defense, of course, the discipline. We talked about that. You want to see how Billy Huso reacts. You want to see him, how he is with the Hartman and, and the Capri's offline and, and different players coming at him. Um, you want to see how the Blues handle the physicality of Minnesota. You want to see how Minnesota, quite frankly, handles the physicality of the St. Louis Blues. I mean, both teams are, are built very differently, but both things they have in common, I would say both teams they have in common would, would be the physicality. You know, that, that's one other thing that has really kind of jumped off the page in the last few weeks compared to the whole season was the amount of hits they're getting per game. You know, I think from November to February, they were averaging just shy of 20 hits around 19.6. And then the whole month of April uh, has been like around 26, 27. So that's something that really has changed with this team. They become more physical. Minnesota is going to smack you in the mouth, just like you're going to try to smack them in the mouth. It's going to be a give and take. They, they are very well balanced. I will say they maybe bring a little bit more physicality on their bottom six forwards, which can kind of shake things up. Uh, but again, the way the way this defense is playing in St. Louis and with Billy Huso on the back end, this is going to be a, a wonderful matchup. And I think a lot a lot's going to a lot of eyes are going to be open from both sides to kind of see how this first round matchup potentially could be looking like. Well, we're looking forward to it tomorrow night. Blues versus the Minnesota Wild. Alex will have the pregame coverage starting tomorrow right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN at six o'clock. Joey and Curbs on the call for Blues versus Wild starting at seven. Joey, we appreciate the time as always, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. We'll talk with you again next Good week. Good luck with the kiddos. Anytime, boy. Hey, thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day now. Enjoy opening day. Should be a fun one. Looks like the weather's going to hold off. Absolutely. Same to you. It's Joey Vitale joining us here on 101 ESPN. Junk drawer coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Matt Adams, former Cardinals first baseman, joining us next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We are broadcasting live from the Budweiser Brewhouse out at Ballpark Village for opening day here in St. Louis. And right now we are very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by former Cardinals first baseman Matt Adams joining us here on the show. Uh, Matt, we'll get into the Cardinals, what you think about this team going into the year, but we got to start with just what a cool experience this is here in St. Louis. It's the first time in a few years that we've had a true opening day. What is it like for you to see this kind of a scene out in St. Louis? What was it like for you to experience it as a player? Yeah, I, I think it's it's huge. I think, uh, you know, this is such a baseball city. It's It's just a sports city in general, and to, for the fans to be able to be back uh, to enjoy this for for us as players to be able to to see what's going on out there to know and hear and feel the like the electricity in, inside that ballpark um, when the first pitch is going I, I think it's great um, I, I'm just excited to see uh, see baseballs back and um, I, I I would have to hope that all baseball fans are excited that, that opening day is today and, and looking forward to a healthy, happy uh, season cheering on their teams. Matt, I, I, take me into the mindset as a player because as a former Cardinal, the night before opening day, I would imagine that's like a, a 12-year-old the night before Christmas morning, right? <laughs> like there can't be a whole lot of sleeping. No, there's uh, you're just you're so amped up, uh, you know, coming off spring training, knowing that that's over. Um, you know, you guys – you know, us as players, we did what we wanted to do in spring training. Now it's it's time to you know hit the ground running, and and now the real game starts. So yeah, I mean the the excitement, the joy. Um, you know, we're we're like little kids on opening day, and and um yeah, you hit it right on the nose. There's there's not very much uh, sleeping that goes into the night before opening day, but um you know when we wake up, uh, we we want that game to start right then and there. It's it's hard to wake up and, and have to wait, you know, a long time before that, that game kicks off. But um, opening day is very, very special for, for not only us players, but for fans in general. And Matt, I'm glad you mentioned that with, with, with spring training and feeling like you got all of your reps in. You know, I've, co- I've covered plenty of Blues training camps, and, like, the guys usually say after that first or second game of, of uh, training camp preseason action, they're done with it. They just want to start the season. Like, at what point as a position player do you feel like you're done with spring training, you want to start the season? I would say after, like, the first week of games. I feel like you get the first week of games in and you're like, okay, let's 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 kick off the real games. Let's go out there and compete and, um, and chase that championship. But I, I think it's smart. Uh, I like what they did this year, you know, the, the short spring training, the, f- the four weeks. I think that's a, a great time frame for, you know, pitchers ramping up. Uh, position players getting their their abs in and then um you know jumping right into the season i i know the circumstances um called for that but i i think uh i i've talked to some some of my friends that were in spring training and they they thought that you know this should be the length of of spring training cutting off those those two extra weeks but um yeah i, I think after that first week of games you know everybody's ready to to get the ball rolling 
former Cardinals first baseman Matt Adams joining us here on BK and Ferrario. Uh, Matt, I want to take you back to the beginning portion of your career here in St. Louis. 2009 through 2011, uh, you were down in the minors, but Albert Pujols was starting at first base for the St. Louis Cardinals. How well did you get to know Albert? Did you did you learn anything from him in that stretch of time? And what's it like for you, who I feel like this is now kind of your adopted hometown in some ways here in St. Louis, to see Albert back in the Cardinals uniform? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, you know, in in the minor leagues for those years. He would come over and, and talk to us minor leaguers and, and just, you know, give us uh, pep talks on on certain things of, you know, what we needed to do, how we needed to carry ourselves. And you could tell right then and there how great of a person he was um, that he cared. He, he, he took time out of his busy schedule to come over and talk to us on the minor league side. Um, you just, you just knew that, that he was a special person. And, um, I didn't, I met him, you know, a handful of times in, in my minor league career before he left for the West coast. Uh, just a good heart hearted human being that, that just loves baseball. And to see him back here, putting the Cardinals Jersey on again this year with, with his buddies, uh, Wayno and Yachty, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the three of them and, and I'm happy for Cardinals baseball in general and just for the, for the city to be able to, you know, embrace him, uh, being back in that Jersey. Matt, you spent a ton of seasons playing with Yachty and Wayno, having them in the clubhouse. And I know you never had Albert Pujols in there with you on the big league roster, but you did have guys like Matt Holiday and some veterans. How important is that when you're a younger player to have that many veterans who have been around the block a time or two that can help young guys along the season that's huge I, I think you know I was I was very fortunate like you said to have those guys um walking into work every day being able to share the clubhouse with those kind of guys those caliber of players um you just learn from them you know you keep your mouth shut you go about your business you you take note on on how they're going about their business how they're handling the ups, the downs that, that every player faces during the course of the season, uh, 162 games, and, and you just learn from them because they're, the way that those guys were, they, they didn't say much. They, just, they went out there and they let their game speak for itself, and um, I was just very, very grateful that I was able to you know, call them teammates. You know, three, Holly, Wayno, and Yachty, three of probably my favorite teammates that I've ever played with. So, um, we were, we were, our group, our young group were, was definitely fortunate to, to be able to learn from, from guys like that. Let me take you back to 2013, Matt. You're at home. It's the home opener for the Cardinals. You're going into the sixth inning It's the bottom of the six and you're down one, nothing. Matt Adams comes to the plate, hits a home run. And ultimately that's the game winning run for the Cardinals. What was that moment like for you on an opening day to have that kind of a moment in a Cardinals uniform here? Yeah, I've seen that ball go over the fence and rounding the bases. It was just as loud then as it was whenever I hit the home run off Kershaw in the playoffs. Like it's to be able to be welcomed into the stadium and, and have a big moment like that on, on opening day. It, you know, I have the chills right now, you know, reliving that moment. And it's just it, that moment for sure is, is right up there with, you know, the home run in the playoffs of Kershaw is, is one of the most memorable moments of my career just because that was basically my welcoming to St. Louis was, 
hitting that homer on opening day and, and um, securing that, that W. All right, now let's get into the harder part of that, Matt. Evaluate the celebrations post-home run. That one on opening day or Clayton Kershaw? Because in my opinion, there's no beating how you celebrated against Clayton. Yeah, that the celebration off uh, off Kershaw was by far probably my my best. I I I mean, I just went, I blacked out and just operating off pure emotion. Seeing that ball go over the wall, jumping up and down the you know the first baseline, looking in the dugout, seeing the dugout go crazy, and then um, touching home plate, and uh, you know finally the like hearing the, how loud the crowd was and, and going into the dugout and celebrating with my teammates, I had to go, I tell this story all the time, I'd go down into the, the batting cages and lay down and, and regather myself so I could, we still had two innings left to, to go in that game to, to make sure that we secured that W, played good defense behind our pitching and, and you know, held off the Dodgers. So I had to, I had to go down in the batting cage, take a couple of deep breaths and, and regather myself so I could finish that game off right. Yeah, I think I was I, I was doing pre and post for the Blues at the time, and I was watching it, and I felt like I had the exact same celebration as Matt Adams did in the broadcast <laughs> booth because of how jacked up we were watching that game. Yeah, it's like that. Like that's that's my inner like kid coming out um, in that moment, just being it like operating out of pure joy and and excitement of uh, you know knowing that. You know, we we took the lead, and in in a moment like that at home, to do it in front of the the Cardinal fans in Bush Stadium, it was it was definitely something very very memorable. Matt, can you imagine if something like that happens again today with Albert Pujols? Like, what what the heck are we gonna? Re- how are we gonna be able to react to that? Is Bush Stadium gonna fall? Huh. <laughs> yeah, they that uh, that stadium may crumble to the ground. <laughs> um, I, I can I can tell you if that happens, I will definitely hear the the roar of the crowd all the way out here in Clayton from downtown St. Louis, that's for sure. Matt, final one from me. I know you pay close attention to this Cardinals team and just the state of baseball. When you look at this National League, how do you feel like the Cardinals are going to fare this season? I think they got a good club. I think, uh, you know, as long as everybody can stay. I think the the biggest thing, and, and everybody says this year in and year out, is is staying healthy. I mean, you look at you got three great outfielders that can go out and get the ball no matter where the ball is hit. You got lockdown defense in the infield, and you got one of the best, if not the best, catcher behind the plate handling a great pitching staff. So as as long as everything clicks on all cylinders and they go out there and just play baseball the way that they know how to play, um, I, I think it's going to be a pretty fun and, and exciting season for the Cardinals. Final thing for Matt Adams, the former Cardinals first baseman here on 101 ESPN. Matt, earlier today, Tanner gave us some of his bold predictions. He says he thinks that Albert Pujols is going to make an all-star game this year. Give us a bold prediction. What, what's, who's a player or maybe an aspect of this team that you've got a bold prediction for us for in 2022? I think Arenado wins MVP. We'll let you go with that. That's my guy, like Matt, that and that was a mic drop moment. <laughs> Do that Matt Adams celebration post-home run off Kershaw with that one. <laughs> Matt, we appreciate the time as always, man. Thank you so much for joining us on a Cardinals opening day. Enjoy the game today, and we'll talk with you again soon. All right, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Absolutely. Matt. That's Matt Adams joining us here on 101 ESPN. Woo!
That got me jacked up. chills going there? He said Nolan Arenado MVP. <laughs> Let's go. If that this, doesn't get you going, I don't know what does. His was better you, than yours. His Sanders. was so yeah, better I than know, yours. I know. I we need to have him Matt Adams 3. I, I'll replace it if we get Big City to come That's up true. with some uh, big moments here uh, on 101 ESPN with Big 3 bold predictions. Big City, Big 3. Oh, man, we need oh, to text boy. him. We need to text him. Put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> I will. Coming up in 15 minutes, we are continuing our countdown of the 20 most important players for 2022 with number three. Three, two, one. We we really didn't time this out well. Probably should have had number one on opening day. We've got number three for you coming up at the top of the hour. The junk drawer coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kyler, we're in a bad place right now. Two out of the three of the people out on this show, the two hosts, frankly, uh, we're in a very the two, bad place. The two old guys, very to, put bad it, place. to put it lightly. We tried going to the restroom at the, in the last segment, uh, between the last segment and the start of this one. We have a problem, though. We got a real big problem. Things are back to normal around here. I didn't prepare for that. Uh, we are at Ballpark Village where the restrooms are stacked. And I mean, like, game day. We are th- two hours oh, look, away. Everyone is laughing at us from now. From the BK. starting point. <laughs> this is essentially you're at Bush Stadium during you the guys should have brought your diapers stretch, today. I should have thought about it. And you're trying to go when everybody else is. It's a it's a bad situation I, to be in. We turned down that hallway. We're like, oh, three minutes, we got this enough time. We turned down the hallway, and there was a line of guys. You, ran, like, in, you ran in the line when you rounded the corner? Also, oh, yeah. also <laughs> we literally did. There, there can't be a, a line outside of a guy's bathroom. It's quick, That's right? You go in, you go out. It's not good. And we tried finding <laughs> a secret bathroom. There's no such thing. Apparently, BK thought there was VIP bathrooms for us. Unfortunately, we're not. Apparently, if Matt Adams was here with us, I feel like he would have been oh, able yeah, to get in. Sure. Oh, yeah, big city, big bathroom. Nope, nope, not for us. So uh, we will keep you updated okay. <laughs> on how that goes. You'll know how it goes if there's a segment and we come back like, oh, my God, minus, we can't do the show minus anymore. Minus 1,200 on BKPing himself. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't hear me on the next segment, that's because I'm waiting in line. Mitchell Boggs is joining us at 115. Tanner might have to handle that interview. We'll, yeah. we'll see how that ends up going. All right, let's dive into the junk I drawer. I thought that so, was the junk drawer. Alex, we have our smart house heating and cooling endorsement, and we're always talking about how you keep your house cool at Indeed. certain temperatures, right? I prefer mine to be right around 70. My wife would prefer it to be like 85. I don't know how she does that. I don't understand it either. That's does like living with my living, grandparents. She loves living in, yeah, my grandparents keep it at like 89. What's your go-to? Mine is 72. According to Energy Star, we should all be keeping our house while you're asleep at 82 degrees, which seems insane. No is that, well, what state is that in? Because, like, in our, if in this one in the wintertime, you're talking a, a gas bill through the roof. According That's to true. this, this is during the summer. So going into the summer, they say that you should have your thermostat while you are sleeping at 82 no degrees. Way. And while you are awake, it should be set at 78 degrees. Why would you want to sleep in a waterbed? If, Who if are that these was people? if that was the case, they wouldn't have invented the air conditioner. That, so no, you, that's yeah, terrible. This isn't this isn't the olden days where you can crack open a window at night. 
who are these people? And I, we, how, how do we put these monsters in jail? Look, I sweat profusely. <laughs> 82 degrees? I sweat profusely when I sleep, and my wife is like a freaking furnace sleeping next to her. And so I already got to deal with the fact that she feels like 110 degrees. And then if my house is at 82, and I like to sleep under the covers. And you're telling me now that I can't? Yeah. No way. I, I love having the windows open, getting some fresh air, and leaving a window open at night when I go to bed. Now when it's in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. summer, it's going to be 82. No, no, Absolutely no chance. No Whoever way. this person is has never lived in St. Louis, where no. it's basically a swamp the moment that you go outside. I'd say the ideal temperature in a house on a thermostat I, is 69. I walk outside to get in my... It's a good temperature to keep it at. That's, I'm good with that. I would be berated by my wife if I you, if I put it. At have 69. you guys ever had? Have you guys ever like tested the limits of your air conditioner before? <laughs> what the hell does that? That, mean? that, no, that is a man that lives in an apartment. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> my my unit is so, like 28 years old. I tested no. it. Dies. <laughs> no, when I when I was in college, my roommates always loved to get it down Small to like smart house. If that happened, they meant that yeah. brother. Yeah. When I was in college, my roommates always liked it at like 62. Like they loved it freezing in our apartment. Oh, and, and one day, my one of our roommates put it down and it broke on the way down. So yeah. it went all the way down to 50, and the air conditioning ran constantly. So see, it was a thing that ran. It was a thing that set set it. It broke, and we had to call maintenance, and they said, well, maintenance can't be there till tomorrow. Our apartment was at 52 degrees. Guys, I went to my grandparents and said, I will just drive the 50 minutes to class that, tomorrow. That is how I am in hotels. I get to a hotel. The first We're thing I do cold. is I turn it down to, like, 65 degrees, and my wife hates it. But I said, I'm not going to sleep in a hot hotel room that's stuffy, and how you prevent bed bugs. <laughs> I was going to say, or did you, was this, is warm, it, stuffy what's, temperatures hey, are good environments for bed bugs. What's first, checking for the bed bugs or nope. hitting the air conditioner? Air conditioner. You go in immediately okay. and you hit it down and then it's rip the comforter I, I just off. Make Check sure the I video do, out on BK's Twitter yeah, account. You want to do this as a pro. Also, you, can we end this segment because I'm seeing more and more guys go to the bathroom, which means this line's getting <laughs> bigger really and bigger bad, and man. bigger and bigger. All I can think about right now is Drew, my anxiety levels. Will you go hold our spot? Drew's going to go hold our spot and end the line for us. Oh, and he's going to knock over everything. Something horrible just happened yeah. over there. Are we Alongside there? Alex Ferrario and Tanner <laughs> Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. In about 15 minutes, we will be joined by Mitchell Boggs, former Cardinals pitcher, 2011 World Series champion. We'll get his thoughts on what it is like to take the field on an opening day for the Cardinals. Alex is now going to go ahead and evacuate the premises. Coming up next, the 20 most important Cardinals for 2022. Yeah, we counted wrong. All right, what do you want me to tell you? Number three next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And now, the 20 most important Cardinals for the 2022 season on PK and Ferrario. Number three, Tyler O'Neill. Canadian Hulkster at number three, Tyler O'Neill, as the most important Cardinal for the 2022 season. Along with Tanner Hendricks and Alex Ferrario, I made it back from the bathroom line. BK did not, which means I take over. T-Bone, no more T-Bone threes. Well, come on, I got a good one for O'Neill. Nope, not at all. So Tyler O'Neill for me. He was ranked number three on this list. T-Bone, how was he ranked for you? I had Tyler O'Neill at number one in my top 20 most important Cardinals. Interesting, and I do not know what BK had him ranked at. He'll tell us as soon as he gets back from the restroom. 
But for me, I put him at number three because, and see, this was difficult because Nolan Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, they were all really close together. It was hard for me to differentiate which one was going to be more important than the other, but I had Tyler O'Neill up at this point a little bit ahead of Paul Goldschmidt because I think he's going to be impactful for this team in the outfield if Harrison Bader, for some reason, goes down with an injury or if you're without them for it sometime. But you're also looking at that bat and the base running skills for Tyler O'Neill. And the whole reason I had Tyler O'Neill at number one on my list is because of, and, it, and, it, and it's the same thought process I had when I put this together, and BK said it, I think, last week. He, he, said, he said something to me that Tyler O'Neill. <laughs> I had Tyler O'Neill number one, and it's because the whole offseason picture fails if Tyler O'Neill does not get back to last season's form. Tanner, because, you had him at number two, buddy. Oh, dang it, who It's close, so one? close. Well, we'll get into that <laughs> in the next one. <laughs> I swear I put him at number one. Anyway. Well, I was wrong, too. The, I thought the reason, I had him at three. The, oh, the whole reason I had him so high on the list is because the offseason play and fails of Tyler O'Neill is not Tyler O'Neill this year because he is going to be that that number three hitter. And if you don't have Tyler O'Neill, what he does last year was a 280, a 30-plus home run guy, your offseason play and fails because you don't have another Tyler O'Neill in this lineup. If he's healthy and I expect him to produce what he did last year, you know what I said last week? This ballpark to my left cannot contain this man. This guy's going to explode. He's going to hit 280, have 30 plus. That's why you had him at number one. And that's why he was number one now and number two back when I made the list. BK, speaking of the number ones, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. It's very good to be back. I apologize for not making it back quite in time. Where'd you have him at? I had him at number three, actually, on my list of the 20 most important Cardinals. I'm a big hater. I've got somebody else that's a perennial all-star. Is it Bader? Probably Bader. The hater Uh, that is not Bader. I think Tyler O'Neill is a huge piece to what they're trying to do. I agree with everything you guys have said thus far. I'll just restate it. Like, if Tyler O'Neill is not able to replicate what he did last year, they have a donut hole once again in the middle of their order. It's great that you've got – I think Carlson's going to take a step this year. We talked about that the other day. I think that you can expect great things once again out of Goldie and Arenado. Those are wonderful. But if Tyler O'Neill isn't the guy that we saw last year, who's your three-hole hitter? Don't have one. You don't have one on this roster. Arenado. The way, then who's your cleanup hitter? <coughs> Albert Pujols. Paul DeYoung. It's just, it doesn't have the same type of oomph in the order if you don't get the same kind of production out of Tyler O'Neill. And for what it's worth, all of the projection systems believe in what we saw last year. Now, maybe that means that he's taking a slight step backwards. The projections over on Baseball Reference, for example, have Tyler O'Neill this year hitting 260 with a 335 on base percentage and an 820 OPS. That's 26 home runs and 68 RBI. That would be, in my mind, a disappointment. Oh, yeah, that's a disappointing season. A slight disappointment for him. That's the even- whole runs are fine. I think you need more RBIs. I think the average is low. If yeah, he hit 280 last too. year, he can do it again this year because I, I think he has the bat speed and, and the skill set to be a guy that can hit 280. That's how good he is when he, he hits his ceiling. Yeah, I, I'm not so worried about the 260 batting average, to be honest with you. I think he can be higher because of his speed. I think he's going to be able to leg out some of those grounders like we saw a year ago, but it's the slug. The slug is what you talk about all the time, Tanner. Slug, baby, slug. And his slugging percentage has to be above 500. If it's not, then it's a disappointing season. Like, that's that's what he is here for. We used to hear Tony LaRusso talk about the damage of the two-hole, right? Well, he's not going to be necessarily batting there, but that's essentially what Tyler O'Neill is providing for you from the three-hole this year. They have to have 30-plus home runs, 85-plus RBI at a minimum out of him, and an OPS 
probably above 850 or so, somewhere right around there. That's what you got to expect out of Tyler O'Neill at this point in his career. Yeah, I'm really looking at him, and this is why I had he, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado so close. I'm looking at Tyler O'Neill as another RBI machine for this team. I, I think he's got to be a guy that's that's getting close to 100 RBIs, like Nolan Arenado and like Paul Goldschmidt. If this, if this offense is going to be as supreme as we think it is, it's going to be very important that Tyler O'Neill is there in the conversation with Arenado. We should be talking about another MV3 at the end of this season. That's a, that's a really good point because you, you should be talking about another MV3 this season. The other thing for me is, is if you're in the front office, you can bet on a Paul DeYoung bounce back if Tyler O'Neill stays the same and he is that number three hitter. Yeah. If not, then you're talking about two guys that aren't producing for you in a lineup. Because you're taking the honor- pressure off. Exactly. Because Paul DeYoung, look, last year I had him at number one, and you guys mocked me for doing that. I had him number one because he was going to be hitting fourth or fifth behind your big bats in the order. He was supposed to be what Tyler O'Neill was. And you kind of felt that early on in the season. When Tyler O'Neill came back from injury and really took off and found his stride, you didn't notice Paul DeYoung's struggles as much because he wasn't hitting at that part of the order. He was moved down in the lineup. Paul DeYoung, you can rely on on a bounce back if Tyler O'Neill can get back to what he was last season. Think back to what Tyler O'Neill did last year in August and September. When this team was at his best, that was the peak version of Tyler O'Neill. In September last year, in 31 games as a starter, seven doubles, 13 home runs, 30 RBI, a 330 batting average, and an OPS over 1,100. Wow. That's as good of a month as you will see from any player on any team last year. You don't need him to replicate that but you need him to get pretty close at times this year. That's what they need out of Tyler O'Neill. Not an 1,100 OPS, but they need him to be able to once again reach that kind of a ceiling. And I want to stick with that 17-game winning streak from September. I heard something yesterday, and Grant, you can go ahead and take down that bed. I heard something yesterday from Adam Wainwright that I found to be really interesting. I want to play this quote for you guys, and we'll react to it coming up after we hear what Adam Wainwright had to say. We proved last year what we could do at the end of the, at the, end of the season when everybody kind of got comfortable in, in their surroundings and in their self and in their, their own abilities. Uh, we saw what we could do, and I think we're still kind of feeding off that. That was a great thing for us to experience last year. I know 17 games is, in a row is not something that, you know, you're going you're gonna to go, all right, we're going to go out and have four, four 17-inning or 17-game winning streaks this year. That's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is we do have an expect, expectation now that's probably different than pre-streak. Um, so that's a good teach for us. This might sound weird. Did the Cardinals learn what it takes last year? And I'm not talking about Wayno and Yachty and Albert Pujols or even to a degree Nolan Arnauto or Goldie, but really the young guys. You're talking about the middle infield and then the outfield as well. And those were the guys, honestly, that kind of contributed in a huge way in that winning streak. Did they learn what it takes in September last year to win at a high level? Is that what we saw? Because this year you come into the spring and then you come now into opening day. It feels like they have a swagger about them based on some of the comments that you're hearing. I've never heard a Cardinals team since I've been here in St. Louis, and I've been here now for six years. I haven't heard any Cardinals team talk about a World Series the way that this team has. Every guy that talks, Pujols, Yachty, Wayno, O'Neal, Bader, the manager, all of them are saying that the goal this season is not to make the playoffs and see what happens. The goal, and anything less will be a disappointment, is to win a World Series. It feels like last year they got a taste of it, and now they know what it takes to be able to win at that kind of a level. I, I mean, I, I think anytime you do something significant in a season, 
it, it, it provides the younger players an identity of how things need to be. And not to compare it to the Blues, but that's what the Blues had the 2018-2019 season. They went on that 11-game win streak, and you're talking about guys like Robert Thomas and Oscar Sundquist and Ivan Barbashev, Jordan Bennington, Colton Pareko. They finally got a taste of what this winning feels like. They go on the cup run. Why do you think we're so confident in the team every year? It's because they know that they've been there before. And I think that's what happens with this group. I do think that having an Albert Pujols back with this team provides a little bit more of a, oh, wow, this is the real thing. Like, it's not the same because, of course, you could have gone out there and acquired a Jose Ramirez or signed a Carlos Correa, and it would have been like, oh, damn, they think we're going to win. But I I just feel like because they signed a Corey Dickerson and then the Cardinals went out there and said, you know what, we're going to go bring an Albert Pujols. Again, it's not the same guy. But I feel like that just provides a little bit more confidence to a group that want, that thinks they can compete to a, oh, yeah, we can compete now because they signed these guys. We feel like we have a roster in place. And what we did last year, we can build off of that. I'm really glad you brought up the Blues. And I know it's comp- kind of comparing apples to oranges. But I, I truly believe experience matters, and especially when it comes to postseason baseball. And you look at the Colorado Avalanche and the NHL, they've fallen apart in the postseason because they don't have that experience. Look, the Cardinals only had one game, and a lot of those young guys only had the wild card. But they know what it's like now to not only experience winning in September and getting into the playoffs and having that playoff push, they know what it's like to have their backs up against the wall. And and I I think that's the most important part because I remember when we piled up the open for when they clinched the playoffs, I got a cut from all three of us giving up on this team. It could have easily, it could have been easy for the Cardinals to give up in August and go, now you know what the front office, they went out and they got John Lester and Jay Happ. It's not a big move. We can give up on the season. They continue to fight. They they play well. Everything meshes well together in September. They go on this run, and I, I think that's the most important part for this team. It was a young team last year. They've got more experience now, and then you bring in vet, a veteran like Albert Pujols, Corey Dickerson. I, I think this is going to be something special we see from the but Cardinals what this year. What I will add to that, though, is they haven't got a taste of winning in October yet. And I know they won in 2019, but I think that was a different group than what they have right now. They didn't get there last year, so that's the next step that I think sure, they have to get to. But last year they had playoff success. It just happened to take place in the regular season. But, season. but those are different. I, it's a different I don't think field. it was. I don't think it was last year. Last year in September, they were playing a playoff game every night. When they had that series against the Padres here at Bush Stadium, and it was the 2011 reunion, I, I remember that home run for Tyler O'Neill. That was a playoff atmosphere, and nobody can convince me otherwise. The game that they won out in Dodger Stadium, whenever Tyler O'Neill had that play down the, the, the right field line, I believe it was, that was unbelievable. Or left field line, rather. Uh, that's the kind of games that this team had to find a way to win. Tyler O'Neill hadn't really experienced that before. Dylan Carlson certainly hadn't at this level. Harrison Bader hadn't. Uh, you, you look at Tommy Edmond, it was his first real experience but, with anything like but that. But there's a difference in October for guys who haven't been there. And don't overlook the fact that Tyler O'Neill disappeared in that one wild card game for them. I understand, them. but it was one game, man. I, and, I get and I'm it. I'm never going to judge anybody but off it's, of one game. But, but it's a different level, and that's why I feel like if you go back into the Blues comp here, like they could never get over the hump against the Chicago Blackhawks of that first round. And it's like every time they got in, it's like, well, they're going to get bounced. you got to learn how to play in the actual playoffs, it's different than the end of the season, they I feel like. They were going into September last year, and they were 13 games back in the division, and all of us had given up on them, and they played playoff games every night and won 17 straight games. I understand that it wasn't technically October. Their backs could not have been more against the wall if they were in the month of October. 
and they came through in such a big way and won 17 straight. By the end of the month, they had gained eight games in the standings. That experience, I think, is going to pay off in a huge way this year. It, I, I understand it is different than October. I'm not trying to suggest that the September experience is the same as winning a World Series. Anybody who would say that is, is just not speaking truth. But what they did last year, that was as close to a playoff atmosphere in September as you can possibly have without actually winning games in October. And I agree with you, Alex. But the thing for me is, I look at that Cardinals team as well, and I and I and I agree that experience matters in the postseason. They went toe to toe with arguably the best team in the National League in a one-game winner-take-all. And I get it; they lost, and I agree with Tyler O'Neill. But it disappeared. You know, Goldie disappeared in that game. Arnado struggled as well. Your best player in that game was Tommy Edmond. Edmundo Sosa looked rattled as he was starting at short, but that you went toe to toe with him, and that's when I kind of kind of differentiate that a little bit. Because I think the way that they went toe-to-toe with the Dodgers was a little bit of that momentum builder of, okay, we're, we're close. We're on the cusp. And, and I think that's the difference maker for Believe them. it or not, coming up in about 10 minutes Let's or go. so, Katie Wu, the Cardinals insider for The Athletic, joining us at 145. Mitchell Boggs joining us next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And I'm Brandon Kylie. We are broadcasting live out of Ballpark Village as it is an opening day here in St. Louis. And right now, we're very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to talk to one of our favorites, former Cardinals pitcher, 2011 World Series champion, Mitchell Boggs, joining us here on the show. Mitchell, we appreciate the time as always, man. How you doing? How you celebrating today for opening day? <laughs> well, actually, I'm watching the Masters because uh, I'm down here in Georgia. So it's a pretty big deal here. Um, but yeah, exciting day for everybody with MLB kicking off. Uh, unfortunately, I've got a lot of Braves fans around me. They're excited to celebrate their World Series championship last year. So uh, a lot of exciting things happening in the uh, world of sports, especially baseball. But I appreciate you guys having me. Hey, Mitchell, that's a phenomenal way to start off an opening day. I mean, we're watching the Masters, too. We're here at Bush Stadium, like, to watch Tiger Woods and then watch Albert Pujols. I mean, what better way to spend an afternoon? No, it's pretty crazy. I think uh, a year ago, if you would have said that, you know, you'd be watching Tiger Woods, you know, playing in the Masters and Albert Pujols getting ready to put on the, the birds on the bat again, I don't think anybody would have believed you. But um, two, of the, two of the biggest names in sports back, you know, where they're supposed to be, Tiger in Augusta and Albert in St. Louis. Mitchell, I didn't want to get your thoughts real quick as a, uh, as a follow-up on that. What was your reaction when you saw Albert Pujols, your former, former teammate, coming back to, like you said, where he belongs here in St. Louis? Yeah, you know, just very excited. Um, you know, it's been, I guess, what, 10 years, uh, 10, 11 years, however long it's been. Um, hard to believe it's been that long. Uh, just very, very impressed that Albert has continued to uh, to perform and, and continued to, to contribute in a big way at the major league level. And I know he's excited to be back in St. Louis. I know all of, of St. Louis is excited to have him back. And, you know, it sounds like this will be his last run and, and hard to think of a better way uh, than for him to, to put that uniform on again. 
um, and and go out there and do it in Bush Stadium where, you know, he was, you know, in his time period with the Cardinals, you know, he's, he's one of the best players in the history of the game. So what a fitting way uh, for him to, to take a final lap in his career. And today's the beginning of that. And I know it'll be an exciting time. Well, and it's not just his final ride, too, Mitchell. I mean, it sounds like Yachty's calling it after this year, and uh, Wayno's been playing pretty coy with it, but you would imagine he would want to call it after this one. I-, I guess my question is, do you believe it? You've seen plenty of Yachty and Wayno's over the years. It seems pretty insane to think that they're actually going to retire after this season. I know. They- they've been such an integral part of the Cardinals organization and the success um, that that organization has had. Uh, you think about over the history of the, of the organization, they've been very fortunate that they've kept core guys together for a long time, whether it be Stan Musial and Red or Lou Brock and Bob Gibson, um, you know, the Ozzie Smith era. And, and now you've got guys like, you know, Yachty and Adam who have been there for, you know, Yachty's been there 19 years. Adam's been there 18 years. You've got Albert back, um, you know, in his 22nd year of his career. They've just done a tremendous job of keeping those glue guys together that really, you know, maybe they may be a little bit past their prime, uh, but they're going to contribute in a big way on the field. And you can't even measure how they are going to contribute off the field. Uh, whether this will be their last year or not, I have no idea. I know Wayno has always said he wants to, to compete as long as he can, and I know that he will do that. But, you know, what a great position the Cardinals are in to start this year, to have those three guys and then all the talent that they have around them. I just I expect a lot of great things out of that team this year, and um, I know the fans in St. Louis do as well. Mitchell Boggs is our guest here on 101 ESPN 2011 World Series champion. Uh, Mitchell, I I did want to ask you about your experiences during an opening day here in St. Louis. Everybody has them, I understand that, but it just feels a little different when you're a part of this one here uh, at Bush Stadium. Uh, What is your favorite memory of being a part of those opening day ceremonies out at Bush Stadium? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's just the pageantry and the passion that, that everyone has. Um, it, it, you kind of feel it, you know, the, the moment that your feet hit the floor that morning, there's just a different buzz in the city. Folks are excited. It's it's the beginning of, you know, six, seven months of, of just passion and, and energy. And, um, you know, it's, it's an exciting time. I, uh, I've experienced opening days in a number of different places, and I don't care what anybody says. There's nothing like the one in St. Louis. It's just different. And, um, you know, my my first opening day, being able to to hop off that truck and walk up there and shake Stan Musial's hand, um, that's something I'll never, ever, ever forget. I mean, I was a part of world championship team, um, you know, spent six years with, with St. Louis, um, over a decade in that organization, that moment's probably at the top of the list for me just because of what that guy meant to that city and, you know, to shake his hand and, you know, have a picture taken with him that he, you know, signed and personalized to me. It's hanging on my wall today. Uh, that's that's as good as it gets for me. And, you know, what's special and, and what you try not to lose sight of is, is guys like Albert and, and Wayno and, and Yachty 
they're going to be that Stan Musial type guy decades from now. And um, that's what's special about the Cardinals. It's, yeah, you're a part of the, a major league baseball team, and that's great. But when you're a part of the Cardinals, it just means more. It's, it's special. And uh, I know every single guy that's going to hop on one of those trucks today, um, they will have a memory that will last them a lifetime. I don't know about our audience, but if you don't get chills hearing that from Mitchell Boggs, I, I don't totally. know what will get you. That, that certainly got me in my feels. Hey, Mitchell, we always enjoy having you on the show. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today, peeling you away from yes. from the uh, Masters. Get back to Tiger. For opening day. <laughs> uh, we wish you all the best, man. We'll talk with you again soon. All right, man. Y'all have fun today. Thanks, Absolutely. Mitchell. Same to you. That's Mitchell Box, former Cardinals pitcher, 2011 World Series champion, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Man, that what a uh, what a quote. And yeah. there at the end, what he said, I – I mean, maybe I just haven't given it enough thought, but he's right. Like, you think about it, the guys that are going to be in Mitchell Boggs' place, where he was in 2008, 2011, that that range in his career where he's going through opening day ceremonies here at Bush Stadium, and he's shaking the hands of guys like uh, Bob Gibson and Stan Musial and Lou Brock. Like, nobody will ever replace those guys, ever. You, You can't. But... The next era of Cardinals baseball, those players, guys like Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman and whoever comes beyond them, they're going to look at Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols, and it's going to be that kind of a thing for them. And when you think about opening day here in St. Louis, like that is it. What Mitchell Boggs just said, that's what he's talking about. It's the the looking back and, and shaking the hand of those that came before you and just remembering like that. That history is also the present, and it's such a special place, man, and that's that's what opening day should be all about here. In like last season, and frankly, we were robbed of this moment of, of watching Scott Rowland throw the first hole in Arenado. Like, that's the passing of the tide from a, a Hall of Fame third baseman who spent his career here in St. Louis to the next Hall of Fame third baseman in St. Louis. And, you know, thinking about the fact that next year or in two years, maybe three years, Jordan Walker could be coming off of a truck and shaking hands with Scott Rowland. Like, it, it's a really... Or Nolan Arenado. Or Nolan Arenado. It's a really a cool thing to think about, and, and that's the identity of this Cardinals brand, and I love that Mitchell Boggs said this. I've, I've asked former athletes this before that have played for the Cardinals and have played for other teams, and they said, I've done opening day for the Boston Red Sox. I've done opening day for the L.A. Dodgers. It doesn't compare to what I've lived through with St. Louis, and that's why this day is so special for so many. And I, I grew up in Kansas City, and don't get me wrong, opening day was cool, it was fun. You go out there, you, you, you sit out in the parking lot, you drink, you, you have fun, whatever, right? But it, it is, it's different here, and there's nothing quite like it that I've experienced or that I've seen elsewhere. And, man, that was a, uh, that was a really cool conversation with Mitchell Boggs. If you missed any of it, highly recommend checking it out on the podcast page. 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app after the show today. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Katie Wu, our Cardinals insider, is going to be joining us weekly this year. We got that all finished. The paperwork is in. She is going to be a weekly guest on the show. No, she doesn't like that. And that begins at 145 today. Believe it or not, coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Look at what's happened to me. I 
is going to be joining us weekly throughout the Cardinals baseball season. And she's already locked into that contract, and there's no yeah, getting you off. you can't back out of that now, Katie. I have some regrets. I don't know. <laughs> Literally, the, the timing of the headset and whatever that just was yeah. could not have lined up any worse. Well, I feel and, like it couldn't have been any better, Anthony really. Stalter just uh, walked over and gave Tanner the ugliest look you would ever see. All right, believe it or not, Katie is reconsidering the weekly hits with us after what she just heard. Oh, believe that. You should have seen her eyes. Her eyes told it all. Katie, you're like my wife. I say everything. I say everything. Yep. I was, I was expecting, you know, I have expectations, obviously, on this show. You guys always live up to them. But that was um, a little out of left field. But, hey. It's fine. It's opening day. We'll allow it. We'll okay. allow it. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you guys have a scenario for Believe It or Not, we will get into those. And Katie will join us uh, for the segment. Let's start out with this one, guys. Believe it or not, Dylan Carlson finishes the year as the Cardinals' leadoff hitter. Alex, we'll start with you. Believe it or not, Dylan Carlson finishes the season as the Cardinals' leadoff hitter. Uh, is there a righty or a lefty on the mound in the final game? It's a fair question. I don't have the answer to you. I'll say I'll believe <laughs> this one. I... I no, I, I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to piggyback. I'm not going to flip-flop on this one like BK will. I think Dylan Carlson will be there. I like the switch hitter idea. I think the power potential's there. Harrison Bader's going to get some shots there. T-Bone's guy, Paul Goldschmidt, I don't think is going to end up there. Oh, he better get Maybe some Maybe Tommy Edmonds. But I think I'm going to believe this one. I think Dylan Carlson ends it there as the leadoff hitter. Oh, man. I, I think I'm going to believe this as well. I, I think this lineup's going to be good. And this is going to be a great offense. So I think you're going to see this lineup. I know Marmol's been talking about optimizing the lineup a lot. I think this is the lineup you're going to see a lot with the influx being the changes between that five spot in Albert and Corey Dickerson. So I'm going to believe this as well. Tanner, my man, I think it crushed it. Um, I'll, I'll make it a, an okay. even so far agreement. And basically I, why I'm going off of this is because we talked to Ollie this morning. First time in his manager's office, both for him, both for him and for me. Um, <laughs> and he said, you know, one of the questions was, why do, why, what does he like out of Dylan in the leadoff spot? And he, Ollie, straight up said, I like the fact that we can be 1-0 after one pitch. So that's a pretty high praise. I'll stick with it. Dylan, Dylan will finish there. I'm gonna believe it as well, especially after that statement. That goes back to what Tanner's been saying all offseason about the potential of a guy like Kyle Schwarber. You didn't have to sign him. Maybe you already had that opportunity here in-house with Dylan Carlson. Be, a little different, but be honest, you were gonna answer Bader at first, weren't you? No, 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 no. Maybe if it was a lefty. Six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service X line for believe it or not. Guys, believe it or not, Albert Pools will hit a home run today and have his moment that Nolan Arenado had a year ago on opening day. Yeah, I think this one's gonna happen. I'm falling into the nostalgia. I don't. I don't know much about so two hours. Alex. Yeah, is in. I know. I don't know. <laughs> how was it after the T-bone three? You no, bought it wasn't. I don't know much about T.J. Brubaker, but I would imagine Albert Pujols might have the upper hand on him. So I don't think it'll be because was Arenado's his first at bat? It was at the end. It was. It was the, oh, it was his last one. I'd say that'll be more like Albert Pujols. I don't think it'll be the first one, and I think it might be the last one. You're like a lot of Cardinals fans. You don't know a lot about JT Brubaker because you called him TJ Brubaker. There you go. And I mean, Pittsburgh. technically, I got the, the, the letters right. And Pittsburgh probably the same way. Who but, did I do that with uh, last year? 
Oh, J-Hab. It's not J-A, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's J-Hab. It was J-A-Hab, but whatever. Uh, but I'll believe this as well. I'm going to buy into it. Albert's going to have his moment. Hell, about an hour ago, I said he's going to make the All-Star team. So I'm going to live longer by being optimistic. Yeah, Katie, I'm going to believe it. Katie, he is. Katie been... couldn't even hold it in. She <laughs> saw us do the Believe It or Not intro, <laughs> and then this was the one that actually made her roll her eyes more. Katie, it's been but brutal today. I just, I really like the confidence, you guys. I really <laughs> do. And you know what? I'll, I'll believe it, and I'll just a little insider uh, insider knowledge from what you guys are, from what I'm doing, I may or may not have three or four graphs written already, assuming that Albert is going to do something spectacular. Oh, he nice. just That's a delivers. pro's pro right there. He has a knack for delivering. I would imagine today is no different. Yep. I mean, how could anybody not buy into this storyline? Like, if you don't, like, I, I just don't even know what to tell you today. He's going to be out there for the first time in more than a decade in a Cardinals uniform on opening day, and you're telling me he's not going to have some sort of flair for the dramatic? Of course he is. But am I crazy with this, Katie? Did he switch up his batting stance? You know, I don't know if he switched up or if he just looks to be in that good of shape. Because I, I right? remember him being so deep with his batting stance, and it seemed like he was up a little bit higher. His but maybe it is because of the shape. The knees don't bend the same way. He's not be. the same age as he was the last time that he was here. Come on, that's like an old man joke. <laughs> my my knees don't day. bend the way that I did 10 years ago. I'm 29 right. years old. Hey, like, I was what trying to have a serious conversation with Katie there. But go ahead, BK. Keep going. <laughs> Take it away. 65780 <laughs> is the air comfort service text line for... Believe it or not. All right, finishing things up here. Believe it or not, at the end of the year, Jordan Hicks is the Cardinals' stated closer, not starter. I'm not going to believe this one. I I think they got another. I think they got another plan for Jordan Hicks this season, and I think you're seeing it start with the fifth guy in the rotation. But I'm curious to see what that evolves into when guys get healthy again for them. So I'm not going to believe this one. I think that's Gallegos. I'm not going to believe this as well, and there's two reasons for it. One, I don't think the Cardinals will ever have that technical closer because of the way Ollie says he's going to utilize Giovanni Gallegos. And the other one for me is if they do, I think it will be Giovanni Gallegos. I, if they're going to have a closer, I don't think Giovanni Gallegos is going to lose it. I love his stuff, and I think he's going to be one of the best relievers on this team. So I'm not going to believe this. I don't believe it either, and, and maybe I've just been hanging out with you guys too much Probably. already, but I, I genuinely believe the Cardinals want Hicks as a starter. This was not a fluke because Jack went down. This was kind of always the plan to see how he adapts. Obviously, he has to adapt a little bit quicker, a little bit unorthodox use of Jordan, but I think Jordan Hicks closes out the season as a starter. It's what he wanted to be, and it's what the Cardinals believe he'll be the most effective in. Interesting. I, I'm going to not believe this either. I think he ends the season... I'm going to go with as the bridge guy. I think they end up using him behind like a Dakota Hudson uh, on one of his starting days so that way they can get a little bit more depth in those games if they end up having to limit his innings later on in the season. I think he goes multiple innings, but I think he ends up being more in the, the middle innings reliever role for them uh, along with guys like Aaron Brooks, uh, Drew Verhagen, Jake Woodford. They've got a bunch of guys that can be those swing arms for them. I do think he ends up giving them multiple innings, though, more so than as a closer. All right, with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. On the other side, we want to hear what Katie heard from the Cardinals manager, the players, everybody that she spoke with earlier today out at Bush Stadium. We'll get some of that insight. Talk to Katie Wu next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside 
Matt Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We are broadcasting live from the Budweiser Brewhouse out at Ballpark Village for opening day, and it is officially packed out here right now. Uh, when we got here, Alex, at 10 o'clock, it was already starting to fill up at this point. If you're in traffic right now, just hang on. You'll get here eventually. Uh, opening yeah. day officially. Fourth inning. First pitch, what, about an hour and a half away now? Yep. So you'll get here on time, I hope. We are joined in person by Katie Wu, the Cardinals insider for The Athletic. She's going to join us weekly on BK Our insider this year as well. We're very excited to be able to get that done with her. Katie, thanks so much for coming over. Guys, thank you so much. I mean, what a great day. Opening day. Adam's back, Yachty's back, Albert's back, and we're back. Uh, I'm really excited to be joining with you guys for another sec or another year. Um, you guys are always my favorite mid-morning show, and I'm not just saying that because I have to. I mean it. No, you're, you're our favorite too, Katie, with all of these things. So, so give me an idea. Uh, we talked with Michael Gersh earlier today. We've talked with Matt Adams. I, I would imagine this is a different feel for you this season compared to last season. Oh, absolutely. Today feels like opening day. Today feels like the opening day that's been advertised for the past 365 days by Cardinals fans who were so eager to tell me, yeah, 2021 was cool because fans are back, but you haven't seen a full opening yeah. day yet. And I was, you know, during BP, they opened the gates super early and, and fans were trickling in. And I think there were more fans watching batting practice than there were in the stadium for the actual game last year. I mean, just walking over here from the press box, it's packed. It's amazing. It's what baseball should be. It's what St. Louis should be. And I'm just, I'm really excited for also, it. Also, apologies for that walk. I've had to do that walk before. That is not fun. I was tough. Come out of the, me. Come out of there and then all the way over here and you're navigating through traffic. Probably no headphones. She's a champion, though, Alex. Yeah. She's a champion. I, I know she is. Katie, you were over there for all of the interviews earlier today with Oliver Marmol and you had John Mozeliak talking as well. I'm sure some of the, the guys were talking off to the side. Uh, anything in particular that came off as interesting from what you heard in those conversations? You know, today I asked Ollie and Mo the exact same question, and I tried not to do that, but I thought it, I wanted to see if they would have the same answer. So I asked them both, is there one characteristic of this ball club that you think is really underrated or you think is going to surprise some people? And they both instantly said the offense. This Cardinals team and this organization is very confident and the kind of developing hitters that they have. And we can talk about the proven ones. We can talk about uh, Goldschmidt. We can talk about Noel Arenado. We can talk about, you know, anyone that they really have that has really solidified themselves. But I think their confidence that they have comes from that outfield trio and Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and especially Dylan Carlson. Um, they were really impressed and encouraged by what Paul DeYoung showed at shortstop this year in, in the short spring. And, you know, the, the they're hoping that with Tommy Edmund working on so much during the spring that the numbers will reflect that starting for the season. But they're also encouraged by their bench depth. They're encouraged by what they can do with the DH. They, they, they know it is difficult to hit at Bush Stadium. They're not using that as an excuse. But both Mo and Ollie said that this offense is going to surprise some people for a multitude of reasons. And if, if guys like Dylan Carlson, if guys like Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill and Paul DeYoung can put up the numbers that the Cardinals are expecting to, I would actually tend to agree. How encouraged are you, Katie, by the depth that they have in AAA and AA, the guys that are coming up? Because you watch them in spring training, and, you know, the Brendan Donovans, the Nolan Gormans, they didn't make this roster, but it sure as heck feels like that these guys are ready to be MLB players compared to last season where I don't know if they had those guys. Oh, I think that's the biggest difference with this club is, for once, this Cardinals offense and this Cardinals roster has depth. And not just, hey, we'll see, maybe depth reliable depth, the depth that they're very high on with a high upside, high ceiling. I mean, it's not just 
where it doesn't, it's not to the point anymore where Ollie Marmel feels the need to roll out the same guys one through nine, right? There are options here. You're going to see that with the DH. You're going to see Pujols and Dickerson. You're going to see Newbar in there. They have Yepes coming up. They have Gorman coming up, Brendan Donovan coming up. There are options for this club, and we haven't seen that in the last couple of seasons, and I think that makes a world of difference when you're talking about optimism regarding your offensive production. Earlier today, Tanner gave us his three bold predictions for the 2022 season. They were bold. And I liked one of them, actually. I agreed with it. He said he thinks the Cardinals could have a top five bullpen in the major leagues this year because of the depth that they already have on the roster and also the guys that they could pull, speaking of the depth down in AAA, from down in AAA. What have you seen from spring training and going into today from that bullpen? And do you think they have the potential to be a top five bullpen in baseball this year. Tanner, I like this. I feel like you may be perhaps expanding your circle of trust. Oh, oh he it's said. It's going to be huge. Katie, you it know might how have Lu- like 10 guys. He said some six arms Memphis. by yeah. the end of the year. Wow. Katie, Katie you yeah. know how loose he is with this circle of trust. I'm like everybody's favorite <laughs> bouncer. I let everybody in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know what, Tanner, I think you make a great point. I I said this earlier today on an athletic live room, but I think this Cardinals bullpen, if you are outside of St. Louis, if you're not really familiar with the NL Central, you're probably looking at the relievers and saying, who? But if you are, if you're familiar with this club, if you're, you're familiar with what these players can do, I think it's a very underrated bullpen. I mean, Giovanni Gallegos, what he did for the team last year kind of gets swept under the rug. That's just the nature of relief pitching, right? If you're good, well, yeah, that's your job. If you're bad, what are you doing? Um, But Gio was relied on so heavily and used so heavily that he was running out of gas in September and was still able to pull through in that 17-game winning streak and push the Cardinals up into playoff contention. Um, Genesis Cabrera, his Vila was down most of spring, but his last spring outing, he was back at 96-ish. That was really encouraging, and he looked good. If he's if he's good and Geo is good, that's a really lethal combo in those late innings. We know what TJ McFarland can do. Cody Whitley had a super quietly good September last year, yeah. and he had a good spring as well. And then you have up-and-coming arms like Andre Pallante making this roster. That guy has a nasty cutter, lots of movement. He even said a couple days ago, I'll just throw it. I don't know where it's going, but, you know, <laughs> Yachty and Kisser know. So when you're when you're that good where you just don't even know where it's going to go, but you know it's going to be a strike, I mean, how is the hitter supposed to know, right? So I'm really encouraged by this bullpen, and I get the skepticism. If you're not familiar with the St. Louis Cardinals organization, you're probably going, oh, wow. TJ McFarlane, what can he do? But we Cardinals fans saw last year, he can do a lot of things, specifically the double play. And I think uh, there's a lot of guys that fit that mold of role players, which is why this whole closer by committee thing that Ollie Marmel is going to roll out will probably work. Katie, TJ, uh, uh, T-Bone over here has already made Polante the captain of the circle oh. of trust, and he hasn't even seen him I- yet. I'm getting a jersey for sure on a Polante. A jersey, I like that. <laughs> How confident are you in the rotation? Mm, that's a good question. I think that is where there's the biggest question mark. Uh, did you like my, my polite pause? I, I loved the pause. Uh, you know, starting pitching makes or breaks the season. We know that. That's not a, a bold statement by any means. The Cardinals have found themselves, once again, in a little bit of a lack of depth when it comes to starting pitching. You can plan for injuries. Obviously, that Jack coming to spring hurt was really devastating for this club. The hope is he can get back shortly, which is why they're they're confident in rolling out Jordan Hicks and stretching him out. The hope is that when Jordan Hicks is fully stretched out, Jack will be able to return around the same timeline. Then they have some options. Um, but, you know, the Cardinals came into this spring relying on three guys in Jack Flaherty, Miles Michaelis, and Dakota Hudson, all coming back from substantial injuries over the last 18 months. 
the good news there is Miles Michaelis looked great yep. this spring. Miles Michaelis was showing signs that he's even said he felt this way where he was in 2018 and 2019 where he was a very dominant arm. We forget about that because it seems like it was so long ago, but he was very effective for this Cardinals club. Dakota Hudson looks great too. He feels like he's stretched out. He shouldn't be under any kind of pitching limitations. So to have those two back at full strength, they're going to carry a lot of the weight. I mean, Adam Wainwright kind of took this club by himself last year. The hope is that he won't be able to do that again. And the good news is that Miles and Dakota and even Steven Matz, especially in that last outing that he had of the spring, were able to show some really good efficiency and durability, and the Cardinals will need that. She's Katie Wu. Find her work over at The Athletic. You should subscribe to The Athletic as well. If you haven't already done so, you're missing out. It's the best Cardinals coverage you're going to find. Find her on Twitter as well, at Katie J. Wu. She'll join us each and every week throughout the Cardinals season. Katie, thanks for the time. We know you've got a heart out. We'll see you guys yep. soon. And uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us again this year for the Cardinals season. Thanks, guys. Let's uh, let's have a season. Awesome. Be a good one. Love it, Katie. She's Katie Wu joining us here on 101 ESPN. For Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Fast Lane's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. Enjoy opening day, St. Louis, here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.